Radio Universe. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. For all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! Woo! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 259 of The Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Pacone, a Philly voice and a Philly influencer, and we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. And of course, we took the week off last week, for good reason, if you're, you know, I'm sure people even outside of the United States know what happened here last week, for the whole week, uh, it was election week. And it's still kind of going on. I think they called Alaska today, which was like, okay. <laughs> Some people say the media can't call elections, but when it's for a certain candidate, they're like, yay. Yep. But, you know, we're not here to point out all the hypocrisy today. <laughs> but, uh, so we took the week off last week, obviously because of the election. We were both pretty distracted. I'm, I don't know, I know about you. I was scrolling through my Twitter feed. I was checking uh, the electoral votes and all that stuff. That's all so, I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a wild it was a wild week. But we're back this week uh to discuss probably the most infamous or one of the most infamous nights in wrestling history. Something that's still talked about to this day 23 years later. Something just that's crossed. still written poorly about today on SI. Oh boy. God. We're we, we going to talk about it. We're going to talk about can't, it. Can't, <laughs> I didn't read the story, but I heard I saw everybody crap on it, so I can't handle That was enough for me. Like I'm sitting out here tweeting stuff like "hire me" and I see that crap. Get out of here. Well, I didn't justify it with a click, so <laughs> good for you. But <laughs> we're going to talk about. If you haven't noticed, we're going to talk about Survivor Series 1997. The deep dive into that. So if you recall, a couple years ago, uh, on the 20th anniversary of that show, we talked about just the Montreal screw job, the just that match. We didn't dig in though into the rest of the show, and. This is our first time talking about the rest of that show, you know, on this podcast. Uh, I haven't watched that sh- the whole show in a couple years. Yeah. Nick, I don't, I'm not sure about you, but we're going to talk all about it tonight. Uh, again, two days after the 23rd anniversary of that show. And of course, because, you know, it was the anniversary, a lot of discussions was jumped up on Twitter. We- we'll touch on that real quick. But before we get into that, I got to do my... Weekly checking with my main man, Pots and Pans. Nick, how are you doing tonight, my good brother? Uh, I'm good. I, I enjoyed kind of taking the week off to really just take it all in. I soaked it all in, Vaughn. I usually am not glued to the TV uh, too often. Uh, I love to stay out of politics uh, in general, but obviously this election in the U.S. was uh, very different this time around. So I I didn't really think 
if we if we recorded last week, I didn't think it was going to be a good show. I thought it was going to be terrible. That's why I was just like, no, why don't we just hold off? Because not not only was I glued to the TV, but I, I was very my emotions were running wild. So I, I was probably going to yeah. say things and. I would have to like edit for days and stuff like that. So yeah, if you if you think the beginning of the show was already off to a rocky start, if we had recorded this last week, Ooh. it would have been wild. Yeah, especially considering how um, the first day of the election went, and like I went to bed thinking like, what is going on? But then, you know, hey, I requested a mail-in ballot. I never got it, so I had to go in person. They still haven't counted my vote in Pennsylvania, and you know, I they I have a receipt with a number and everything and I check it every day so they still haven't counted my vote so for everyone that's complaining about election fraud they have no idea what they're talking about um, but that's neither here nor there let's you know it's just me being uh, you know it would have been almost the whole show of this last week but uh, you know I did watch the Survivor Series 97 for the first time uh, last week in quite a few years I remember watching it uh, when the network first came. Then, you know, I didn't really pay attention to the undercard too much, uh, but yeah, I paid attention to everything uh, this time around. And there's some, uh, I, I didn't think it was a bad show, really. I, I actually thought it was a pretty good show. Um, and it was kind of like a, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it, but it wasn't, you know, a great show by any, by any means. But, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's just, it gave me that. I think I finished watching it on Monday. Uh, so, or actually, no, I saved it for Tuesday on election day. So I didn't have to be glued to the TV with all the news. And, you know, we were going to record on Wednesday. But then, you know, it's just the week was crazy. Uh, there was a party in Philly all weekend, <laughs> which was yeah, Which I awesome did not moment. attend. I was not out in these streets uh, yeah. this past week. <laughs> me neither. But the memes were pl- a plenty And... I'm all about the memes, so and I even partook in some, so uh, some memes, I should say, not parties out there. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a crazy week, and I'm looking forward to diving into this pay per view, where I really think it was. You know, people say the beginning of the Attitude Era happened here or there or there. Uh, I think we're already into it at this point. So, you know, to me, it's you know, Vince McMahon trying to shove Brett out because he knew Brett wasn't in their future. And uh, it's so interesting to see it 23 years later. I'll just Uh, we're going to dig into kind of some of the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I think we'll we'll save it for when we come to the main event. Right. Okay. so we'll we'll talk about the Sports Illustrated story and we'll talk about because I saw a lot of the conversation get drummed up again about whether uh, about some conspiracy theories surrounding the main event. Um, But. Before we get to that, we got the rest of the show to get to, of course. And this show, of course, took place November 9th, 1997, in Montreal. I think I believe it's called the Molson Center in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, it was then. It's now the Bell Center. The Bell Center, but back then it was the Molson Center. It was. I even have a picture. Center Bell. I went to yeah. I went to Montreal in 2013. I have a picture outside the Bell Center. I have a picture outside of where the screw job happened. It's great. You went to Montreal? I did. I did. It was awesome. I love Montreal actually. Oh, yeah, awesome city. I, I wrote down in my notes that Montreal is one of on my list of cities that I want to get to and visit before I kick the bucket. 
Emphasis on bucket list. But uh, I would highly recommend. Highly recommend visiting Montreal. Well, not now, obviously, but like (laughs) when this is all done. So, a funny story. I planned a bachelor party uh, for my for my best friend James. We went up to Montreal, and I thought I we like had enough money for like a five day trip, and we ran out of money like the fourth day. (laughs) So, well, that's not. That's just, not, I mean, that's that's bad, but <laughs> y'all could have ran out of money the first day. That's true. <laughs> and uh, so instead of waiting that extra night, we decided to leave that fourth night and drive through the night. And we got back. It was like an eight-hour eight drive here. There's actually like completely, it's like directly north of here. You know, Ooh. you don't have to go like east or west. It's almost directly north. So um, Eight we, hours isn't a terrible drive. No, nah, it wasn't bad. Uh, we rented a, a van and all that, and it, it was fun. The road trip was fun, too. And so we left, uh, drove through the night, and got back at like eight a.m. And I came home, went right to bed. <laughs> Slept should. all day. But yeah, Montreal, great, great city. It's I've always of- wanted to get to Canada in general, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like Montreal is because Canada. I mean, it's a different country, obviously, but it's not like drastically different from the United States, right? It's not like they speak different languages, except in. I guess Ottawa is a French-language-speaking city, I think, and Quebec, where they speak a lot of French. Um, so that's so different from the rest of Canada. It's like, I got to get to Montreal. Plus, I heard Montreal is a dope party city. There you go. And <laughs> That's not wrong. <laughs> right. And I heard it's beautiful in the summertime, which oh, that's... I'm not going in the wintertime. So. No, yeah, that's another uh, recommendation I would have going in the summer. I went uh, at the end of June, so we were there from the end of June into july i think we actually were there the fourth of july funny enough so mm, yeah funny. we were there for four and a half days five days so uh you know end of june into july it was beautiful uh, the weather was amazing uh, mo- most of the time it wasn't like humid and disgusting uh so it was like yeah. great like everything about that trip was great that's awesome i can't wait to get once this is all over of course yeah. And we can yeah. travel without restrictions and fear of getting a potentially deadly virus. Um, <laughs> Montreal is probably the first city I'm going to try to get to. Um, maybe Nashville is next. Uh, I've already been somewhere in the south. I've been to New Orleans multiple times. So I heard Nashville is a lot of fun, but I definitely want to get to Montreal. So mm. I'm glad to hear that you had a good time up there because Montreal seems like a dope city. Yeah, uh, you know what's not dope, agree. though? What's not dope? Survivor Series. <laughs> Since I've talked about it for years now, and we're yeah. now we're talking about Survivor Series, I might as well just drum it up again. And how much this, the concept of Survivor Series, the event itself, is such a washed concept in 2020. I just had a conversation with Mike K. Shout out to Mike K on Twitter. I had a conversation with him on Twitter about this. Um, and he agreed. And it's just like, what is there to look forward to with Survivor Series? Like with the World Rumble, you know you're going to get the World Rumble match. You're going to have some surprises. You're going to get that moment where an upper might get some shine. Somebody has a great run, but they may not win. And then, of course, at the end, somebody wins the World Rumble and they get the title match at WrestleMania. That's always a big deal. I always uh, compare it to if WrestleMania is the Super Bowl, the World Rumble to me is the equivalent of the AFC or the NFC Championship. And it's dope. Um... Elimination Chamber is a pretty, still a pretty cool concept. Um, Hell in a Cell, when used right, is a cool concept. Like, 
<laughs> if it's used wrong, it's terrible. But if it's used properly, it could still work in 2020. There's still appeal to it in 2020. Money in the Bank, still a great concept. Hasn't I don't think Money in the Bank has ever fell off as a concept since they uh, came out with it in 2005 at WrestleMania. Yeah. But Survivor yeah. Series... What do what is there to look forward to with Survivor Series? Nick, can you please tell me? Can you help me out? Or is there nothing? So I will give it this. And the only, like, I, I've come come around to agree with you uh, overall. Uh, it was always about the nostalgic five-person elimination matches for me growing up. Uh, you know, we, we still don't really see elimination matches that often uh, nowadays, so... I can appreciate the concept of a Raw versus SmackDown elimination match, even though even though this year does not include NXT, and they included NXT last year. Um, and I think, honestly, I think we can finally realize it was only because of what they had to do regarding the Saudi Arabia trip, um, coming home and having NXT invade SmackDown and all that. And I think... It just made sense to include them in Survivor Series, but this year they're not even touching it. Um, I, I like the Which is bizarre the the brand versus brand can still work, but uh. WWE just doesn't know how to, and and it's turned us off. There's no bragging rights. Like that's you can't even say there's bragging rights. There's why not have like to me the 2004 Survivor Series uh, elimination match from Raw was one of the best ones because it was the winning team eric bischoff took off for like a month he he went on vacation and he said the winning team each of their members will run raw as general manager the next four <laughs> four weeks so it that made it interesting that's when maven had his title shot against triple h those raws were exciting you know looking back you had Everyone, like Chris Benoit, wanted Triple H, you know, in a cage or something like that. Um, you know, it, it was that type of thing that at least Survivor Series meant something in 2004. By that point, it was the concept was a little warped at, at that time, but it brought me back. I thought it was, I thought it was a good use of Survivor Series. Nowadays, I tend to agree with you. I still think there could be something when you have Raw versus SmackDown. I still think. They, they, I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer, but they have the creative minds there. Come up with something to where the winning team wins something that the fans can care about. Maybe, you know, they each one of them can pick a title to go after. I don't know, like have a title or, match or something. I, I think I've heard this. I can't remember remember where I've heard this before. I'm pretty sure I've heard this somewhere. So I know I'm. If, it's not like an original, wholly original idea. Forgive me for not crediting the exact person who came up with this. But uh, a good idea would be just like to do with the All-Star game, right? The MLB All-Star game. Winning league yeah. gets home field advantage, right, in the World Series, which I know some people don't like. Um, but it does add some stakes to the All-Star game. To me, if you had that, I don't know, the for the male and the, fem- and the women's Survivor Series matches the winning brand gets the 30th spot in the rumble or something. Yeah. Like that's going to be a SmackDown or raw wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they determine that how they want to determine that, but raw gets it. It's going to be a raw superstar or a SmackDown superstar, whatever. So 
that's something because yeah. like you said now it's just like brand supremacy it's yeah. like but these people like if you're aj styles he was just on smackdown yeah. and he typically he always weekly called smackdown the house that he built so why all of a sudden <laughs> he's just down. like but i'm raw baby and they're like fighting and they're like hate they hate each other all because now he has to wear his red shirt on it's like, this doesn't make yeah. any sense they've done this multiple years and it just it just throws me off. I don't like it. The only time that I cared about, or the last time that I remotely cared about this, is when Becky Lynch got her face punched in, which pretty much <laughs> started her whole ascent to the top of the card. Yeah. And, and eventually main eventing WrestleMania. But even everything else before that, I didn't care about because we had seen it before. That but, and the the other thing is Brock Lesnar has some great matches with the champions, and that's about it. Like the last few years of Survivor yeah, that's Series, it. that's it. Um, that's not what Survivor Series is built on. That's not what the brand's built on. Like <laughs> Brock can have a great right. match with anybody at, on any pay per view. So yeah, I think that also would, ex- would could easily explain members getting along, even though they don't like each other. Um, they get along because they're part of a brand that could have the 30th spot in the Rumble. Why wouldn't you want to, you know, have that chance? Right. And you know, it's a pro wrestling storyline. It makes sense. That's all you need. It's not rocket Something. science. In, in, in the beginning, Survivor Series was a novel concept because you didn't see that many guys in the ring at once back in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And you had unique matchups. You had guys who didn't face each other a lot. All of a sudden, during the same, you had unique teams, unique pairings, all that stuff. So it was like a real cavalcade of stars. And it was like very unique. And it's, a, again, unique from the standpoint that no one had ever seen that before, really, on a, on a large scale. So it was dope back then. But that novelty eventually wears off, and it's worn off for years. And now, just brand supremacy stuff. It's just like, ugh. I just, yeah. This is probably my least favorite time of the year, honestly. Survivor Series, because <laughs> then they have all this brand stuff, and everybody's working together. And then the week after Survivor Series, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about any of that, and it's just like, oh, oh so what's the point? <laughs> like, yeah. Like WWE, hear me out. And I've said this many times before, but y'all got to replace Survivor Series. Replace it. Mike K's suggestion was to replace it with King of the Ring. Which I'd be down for. Maybe you have King in the Ring in November, and and the winner of the King in the Ring gets a title shot at Dora Rumble. That'd be dope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've always been the advocate of Starcade being an actual pay per view instead of a house show that they set up a couple cameras at. So that's just me. But pretty much anything else would be better than Survivor Series. It's, it's, I know it's probably Vince McMahon holding it up because it's the second pay per view. Uh, it's the longest running show, I think, besides WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah it debuted in 1987. <laughs> right. Crazy. But Crazy. it's just, I, I can't remember the last time I cared or rem- even remember, vividly remember. Like, I never go back and watch a Survivor Series match. Never. I, I, I do only because of the nostalgic factor as a kid growing up. Like, I'll go back and watch Survivor Series 95 just because of the wild card match and Brett versus Diesel. Oh, boy. And, <laughs> and that was also the first Survivor Series that wasn't on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving night. And uh, I was kind of pissed about that. That was, like, the first one that was on a Sunday. I was like, this is stupid. What the hell? <laughs> but, all the, like, the Thanksgiving Eve tradition I remember and Thanksgiving night tradition I remember. I'll usually watch those Survivor Series uh, but not the ones from like the mid to late 90s or even the aughts. Uh, 2003, I, I enjoyed. And 2004, I enjoyed. They're t- two of my favorites in that era. But up, like other than that, it's not a brand that 
you know, you could sit there and go, like before WrestleMania, you're like, oh, I'll watch every WrestleMania or I'll watch, you know, a certain thing of WrestleMania before WrestleMania of that year or the same old Royal Rumble. It doesn't have that cachet anymore. It just, it simply doesn't. It just doesn't. So I'm off my soapbox. I bought Survivor Series <laughs> as a concept. Uh, I just, I'm done with it. I'm over it. And, and they added, so, you know, the tagline. something about it, WWE, please. They, they added the tagline this year, best of the best. You know, at least, you know, I can see it. Like, why not just I rename the pay-per-view best of the best? I don't know. <laughs> or just just get rid of it. I'm done. Survivor I'm done with Survivor Series. Series. It's like they forget about it. And it's like, oh, man, it's it's back. Like, we got to use it this time. Yeah. Like, next year, we promise, we'll, we'll change it. Like, the, the, the thing I'm I hope more, that's the case. The I hope they're I'm, trying to get rid of it. Well, the thing I'm more upset about this year is that there's going to be no war games around it. I mean, maybe war games will happen, you know, in December or January in NXT. Um, but, you you know, the last few years, it's been that takeover before Survivor Series. It was war, NXT war games, and we're not going to get that this year. And I, I miss that. Yeah, I think they're still going to do a war games. Like I said, I think they're yeah. going to do with Pat McAfee's group against right. Undisputed Era. Um, but yeah, I agree. I hope they do it. I mean, I don't know how they're gonna do it in like the Capitol Wrestling Center or whatever it is. Yeah, with the two uh, rings, two rings yeah. in there. But I hope they find a way. I guess you can still do it in the uh, Amway Center. The Amway Center. There. Yeah. You know, so I hope they find a way to do it. But um, moving on to the opening package of this show, and it was all really all about Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And it talked about their last one-on-one match, which was at WrestleMania 12 in 1996. Uh, and you're probably like, damn, they had a whole year and a half without yeah. touching each other like in a match. It's like, yeah, because Shawn Michaels, well, Bret Hart, after he lost, he went away for a while. Didn't come back until Survivor Series, right? And then once he came back, Shawn Michaels went away with an injury. So, yeah, they weren't, they were ships passing in the night, yeah. unless you were talking about backstage stuff, where they were trying to rip each other's throats out. Um <laughs> But you know, it it was an it's a very interesting package because they talked about the tension between them, but it was really it was real. That tension was real, uh, in behind the scenes. And I wrote like I couldn't imagine how much drama was going on backstage in WWE at the time. You don't really hear about drama like this. You haven't heard about it in years. Um, but back then, it was like it was it was madness. Yeah, and consider the fact that they really weren't that they were having good shows, like good TV shows and like interesting storylines, but they weren't making a dent in the ratings. So you had, you know, the they just moved to two hours, and it was almost like they were trying to find their way in this new direction. And then you had that drama backstage on top of it. Um, they, do you remember? They apparently were supposed to face each other at King of the Ring that year, and that never happened. You know, they they even uh, advertised it, and it was supposed to be like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at King of the Ring with uh, the Hart Foundation members handcuffed to the ring poles and stuff like that. It, and whatever, but Bret suffered his knee injury. So um, I don't know if what would have happened if they went through that. Maybe there wouldn't have been, you know, so much pent up frustration and drama if they were if they had that match it's so crazy to think about this era in the wwf at the time me watching it i remember everything because i watched every week as a kid not knowing you know it was 
scripted and all this and thinking like, oh man, like they really hate each other, but they really did. They like really hated each other. So it's just crazy watching this stuff back and trying to put myself back in that mindset and seeing exactly how much these two guys legitimately, you know, at the, you know, at some point it went from business to personal. Yeah. And it got ugly. And of course it culminated on this night. We'll talk about that later. Of course, uh, you mentioned the tagline for this year's survivor series, best of the best. Which I believe was a martial arts movie back in the day, right? Wasn't that a... You don't no, know. You don't watch not, movies. Of course not. Also, it was a CZW show. Remember that? <laughs> I know you remember that. Oh, uh, CZW. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. But the tagline for Survivor Series 1997 was one of the worst of all time. <laughs> Gang rules with no E and a Z. What a trash tagline. That was, and wasn't like the the uh, silhouette, the Heart Foundation or something like that? I don't have the logo in front of me right now, but it almost seemed like it was just like a silhouette of the Heart Foundation. It's like, why don't, why just use a generic one where we just know who, like, why not? You could have even just used the Heart Foundation. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of <laughs> factions in WWE at that point. Yeah, and instead of them calling them factions, they called them gangs. I guess it was more edgy. Yeah, just, you know, uh, WWE was trying to do at that point. But I, I will say, I like the red in in the logo instead of the yellow. Of course, the show was sponsored by Karate Fighters. Uh, but Nick, did you ever play with Karate Fighters? I did not, and I I don't know why. I was in probably in that age range where it been really a hot seller for someone like me, but. I was just buying wrestling figures, those new Jacks wrestling figures, and I could not care less about the karate fighters. They look like um, rock 'em sock 'em robots, but you can use their legs. Yeah, much, it, right? to me it looked to me it looked fixed too. That whole tournament they had with the uh, you know talent versus talent, and like Jerry Lawler had the gum on the bottom of uh, the shoe with his fighter. Remember that? I, I don't think they. I don't, this at I don't, all. Well, they. I don't think they showed highlights of that on the pay per view, but they should have because it was amazing. They had like Jerry Lawler was disqualified because he put the gum on the on the on his Karate Fighters uh, shoe. So it was funny, um, and they would show like instant replays and slow motion, and it was just like one of them would just pop up, and I don't understand like why that happened. Like it wasn't. They they wouldn't even get hit and they would just like pop up off and I think it was fake I think it was scripted. I mean, <laughs> would you be surprised? It's a wrestling show. I mean, come on. <laughs> you got you got you even got to work the uh, karate fighters thing. Yeah, you got to work yeah. that too. It was um, a, I will say the logo was awesome with the swords. Karate and fighters logo. Yeah, the Milton Bradley uh, karate okay. fighters tournament. They had like swords and everything. It was awesome. I'll take your word for that. I do not remember. Um, now, let's get into the show, shall we? Uh, we start off with the pyro, which damn near set the building on fire. Uh, I don't know if you saw the carpet got set on fire after the, yeah. the pyro went yep. off. And people immediately came out to put it out. But <laughs> I did notice Whoa, that. Maybe I shouldn't have carpet right there. Maybe, maybe I should have something else that is flame retardant. I don't know. Like yeah. Carpet can set on fire. It's like, probably the last time they did that. Yeah. So you don't set the building on fire. Um, 
in the opening, uh, Jerry Lawler, of course, is on the call is Jerry Lawler and and Jim Ross, and in their opening, you know, little spiel there uh, before the match had started, uh, Jerry Lawler said that about the main event that Bret Hart, both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, refused to lose, <laughs> which is like prophetic because it's like, did he know that? This was all this stuff was going on, all this drama was going on about who's going to win and who's going to lose. Or I will say this: we're going to talk about this later. But there are some things in here that happen in this show that make you go, "Huh, that's odd." <laughs> and I'm, I, I took note of it. But that was the first one. I was like, "Huh, I don't know." He just saying that, just as like, "Oh, they refuse to lose," and uh, he didn't know the, the actual backstage goings on, mm. where in reality each guy refused to lose. Mm. <laughs> But um, it was a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I actually it missed is. that. I, I missed that. Actually, I mean, if you have a match, you don't want to lose. Period. Like, in re- yeah, but like, yeah, I caught it. That's such a weird thing, though. Like to say as a commentator. <laughs> There's some more weird things. At least one more weird thing that happens in the show. I'm going to talk about it. Uh, one thing that I noticed that was just different wasn't necessarily weird, uh, because they were in Montreal, which of course is a francophone country, mm-hmm. a francophone province, I should say, uh, not country. Um, they had a French ring, ring announcer. Yeah, they did. That was that was different. Albert de Frugia. I'm, uh, oh. hoping, I'm hoping I pronounced that right, but uh, you probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, they they showed. It was like almost. It was like the Fink, you know. They showed his name like halfway through the pay per view or whatever. So I I made note of oh. that. Um, and I remember I would watch these pay per views as a kid, and when Howard Finkel was the ring announcer, they would show sometimes the Fink, and my mom would always right. be like, "Who is that? What, what is the Fink?" <laughs> That's a good question, mom, because it's like, what? Why would this grown man go around being yeah. known as the Fink? And this is my like I I didn't have a very good. Uh, understanding of nicknames so I was like there's it's Howard Finkel like they said it's Howard Finkel what is the Fink and then at Wrestlemania 9 they had like Finkus Maximus and I was like now that what, was what is that, that was funny yeah but I had that no idea funny. like that I was like wait did he change his name like I had no idea it was part of like the whole theme because I was just so I'm so innocent man I'm so innocent <laughs> I, I, I always did find it weird that they call him the Fink in the graphics but <laughs> yeah. Finkus Maximus was pretty. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I like it now. But I like that. Back then, I was like, Finkus Maximus. <laughs> um, first match on the card, we got Ace traditional Survivor Series match. We got the Headbangers, Thrasher and Mosh versus the new Blackjacks. We got Blackjack Wyndham, who is of course, um, who's who's whose son? Yeah. He was a uh, Barry Wyndham. No, he's the son of one of the original Blackjacks. Oh yeah. Uh, um. Uh, oh man. I can't Mulligan, right? Black, it's not Blackjack Lanta. Mulligan. It's the other one. Mulligan. Blackjack Mulligan, yes. Yeah. So that's her whole wrestling family right there because you got Blackjack Mulligan who had Barry Windham and IRS, correct? And of course, IRS has Erinar Scheister. Uh, oh no, Michael Tund- didn't Michael Tunda marry into that family? Man, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's a. Th- th- just know that. Bray Wyatt's grandfather, I believe, is Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah, yeah. So I can look that up, but I don't know why I didn't look that up beforehand. Well, no, um, I believe uh, didn't they? Him and Bo Dallas take time off when uh, 
I think he passed away not uh, like a yeah a couple years ago. And yeah, he died in. They were, they were off TV for a while. 2016, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Man, this is a whole family tree. <laughs> but it's a wrestling family that doesn't really get talked about a lot. Um, now I'm looking it up. Um, because I don't remember. Um. Okay, so Rotunda, he is the son of Mike Rotunda. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, his uncle is Barry Wyndham. Hmm. Okay. Of course, grandfather is Blackjack Mulligan, like I said. Uh, is, I didn't know if Wyndham and Rotunda related or did one marry into the family? Oh, not, I can't remember exactly what the deal is but either way uh they're all related pretty much <laughs> and so blackjack windham he's teaming up with blackjack bradshaw um for the new blackjacks it's like hey you're related to blackjack mulligan and bradshaw you look like blackjack mulligan so <laughs> you're blackjacks i liked this tag team i'm not gonna lie i liked them maybe if they had a different name it would have been okay no, they they weren't like terrible. So Bradshaw no. was still, you know, right. Bradshaw is a good is a good worker, and and Barry Windham was one of the best of all time. So yeah. it was a great tag team in the ring. It's just they're the new Black Jacks. Who cares? <laughs> That's true. And WWE had a thing for that. They had the new they Midnight did. Express, new Rockers. The it's like so weird, but right. It was a bombastic Bart and bodacious Bob. That's right. Right. Something like that. Or was it the other but, way around? Bodacious Barton. No, yeah. I think you had it right. Oh, well. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but their opponents on this night was New Age Outlaws. I don't know if they were still all... I don't know if they were called the New Age Outlaws yet. It was Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Right. Um, and they were teaming up with the Godwins. Henry O and Phineas I. The Godwins. Um, I don't know if you had a whole lot from this match. I had uh, that. Jim Pig. Of course. Um, both the Godwins had Confederate flags on somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Which was okay in 1997. I don't know why it was ever okay in, in, in the history of our but country. But It's funny because they only wore that when they were heels. Hmm. So I wonder. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. They didn't uh, wear that crap when they were baby faces. <laughs> no. And then I know they, people in Montreal was like, why? Did, why did they... They lost. Yeah. And What's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Montreal knew. They knew. So. Montreal and stupid. But know. it's like when they became heels, they stopped wearing anything underneath their overalls. But then they st- started wearing that. Like, what? <laughs> uh, Godwins, man. <laughs> um, but but uh, the, Billy Gunn was wearing a state flag of Texas shirt. <laughs> he was. Billy Gunn got a lot of heat on this match. Two people hated Billy Gunn in Montreal. <laughs> Um, they. I'm pretty sure, and I, 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 it sounded like it at least that the fans in Montreal. Again, this is 1997. Things were different back then. This is 23 years ago. But I think they called him the F word. You know, it's a mm. word that rhymes with maggot. Well, we won't say it here. That's sure. what it sounded like to me. Yeah, I guess uh, they probably did the same thing to Shawn Michaels too. So I don't know. It was. Just, I think they did. I don't I'm know surprised what it was. WWE and, and has. Not, 
just in Montreal too. That happened like almost everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah. Again, this was 1997, different time. Again, Confederate flags were still okay. Mm. Um, no one batted an eye at them for some reason, except black people. We were always like, huh? I don't like that person. Um, but I'm surprised WWE hasn't gone back and edited that out. It seems yeah. like a quick fix. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's not a quick fix or they just don't care. No, <laughs> it exists, but, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of jarring because you just don't hear the word so freely anymore. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like, whoa, nope. um, which is good, I guess. But, um, I wrote down though, this match is not super exciting. And that's what I got. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, this this was a match. It, it was, it was there. It was enough for me to pick up on commentary when Jerry Lawler asked Jim Ross if he knew where Vince McMahon was. <laughs> that was funny. Did you pick up on that? I did not. <laughs> he, he asked him. It was like after Mosh was eliminated or something. Uh, he asked Jim Ross if where Vince was and. Uh, or he asked if he knew where Vince was, and Jim Ross was like, "He's." He was like, "I sure do," <laughs> and he said, "He's a little little busy right now." Uh, it was just so random, you know, and not. not it's, it's just like they almost knew that there was stuff going down. Yeah, and you know, even watching this live, I I didn't wasn't picking up on anything. Uh, I noticed Vince wasn't there, but it wasn't like crazy to me that he wasn't there because i've heard so was vince still calling matches at this point 97 he was he i think this okay. is the first pay-per-view this might be the first show that he didn't call uh i don't remember maybe on monday night raw he stopped commentating after like september like after he got stunned uh with the stone cold stunner i don't think he came back to monday night raw to commentate um but he was on bad blood in october um so this is the first pay-per-view that he wasn't commentating. And so, yeah, I don't know if he was on Raw at this point or not. Um, mm. But I, pick, I picked up on that just because it's like now, obviously, 23 years later, I, I know what happened and I knew what was going on. But um, he's a little busy right now. Like, I, I was probably just wondering, like, why? how is he busy? Like, he his only job is to commentate a wrestling event. <laughs> I didn't know he was the owner. <laughs> Oh uh, well, that's that's nothing. That's not crazy, you know. Right. A lot of people still didn't know, right? But that's why, like, when he was like, he's a little busy right now. I'm like, how could he be busy? He's the commentator. Yeah, he's just an announcer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not even doing his job right now. Yeah, I was like, maybe he got arrested. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I mean, you got some wild times in Montreal. I'll I tell guess. you, man. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you. Actually, I won't tell you. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll save that for the uh, the after show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh but. Uh, as far as this match, the first match, the Outlaws, uh, Billy Gunn and Road Dog were the survivors. I hate when they say multiple people are the sole survivors. That doesn't make any sense. Soul is one. It's, right. it's one thing. So you right. can't have sole survivors. It's a sole survivor yeah. or soul alone or whatever. But I don't, can you have sole survivors? I don't think that's a thing. No, it makes no sense. Man, I'm pretty sure that means one. Mm. WWE terminology, man. Yeah, just well, use the language however like the hell they want. Another match coming out is another Survivor Series match. We got the Truth Commission, yeah, going against the Disciples of Apocalypse, DOA, <laughs> who were mad over, who I'm sure uh, those Harris twins were mad racist, but um, 
people liked them. Even in Montreal, they were digging those um those bikers, which got me to thinking. Uh, you don't see like the biker gangs in like media, or like kind of I want to say they kind of romanticized, right? Like they had a whole shit like Sons of Anarchy. Well, of course, they were criminals. Yeah, but I, d- I never watched that, but I heard about they it. They were shades of gray with them. Like you, I'm sure there were characters where you rooted for them, and they made them, oh, there's not that bad of a person, and he has a reason why he's doing this or whatever. Yeah. But you don't really see that with, like, black gangs. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a show, a television show, like a drama, about a black gang in the inner city. Bloods, Crips, or whatever. And I've always found that interesting. And if you do see it, if you see them in depicted in media, they're always villains. There's no redeeming qualities in them, right? Uh, very rarely. Uh, you see it too with the Italian mob. They were they're kind of romanticized. And I'm big Italian. I'm, I'm I love like reading and watching documentaries about the Italian mob, but they are kind of romanticized in some respects. The black gangs, yeah. though, yeah, not once if I see them really like. <laughs> talked about you know how rich somebody was i mean very rarely do you see that happen uh and i was thinking when i saw the doa i just thought about that uh how they're like you know biker gangs are kind of romanticized in some respects i wouldn't say in all respects but in some respects yeah i could see that and uh you know you talk about the italian mob like you had the sopranos and everyone loves that they just they just like ah that's the italian mob is exactly like the sopranos and um but yeah yeah they they killed people (laughs) you know walter white and breaking bad i'm rewatching breaking bad oh yeah you know it's a great show still to this day i'm you know i'm loving it but walter white even though he's an asshole but there are times where you're like i think the show wants you to root for walter white and it's like, would they do that? There are some shows out there where um, there are black criminals or gangsters who are in that main character role. You, you kind of root for it or some shades of gray, but there aren't that many, like I said. Mm. Um, so just found that interesting. Another thing I found interesting is that DOA had four motorcycles come into the ring every week. It had to be hella expensive. <laughs> And taking up hella space every time, just rolling down to the ring of those motorcycles. Yeah, you see, like, they would move the ring steps uh, against the barricade and everything. <laughs> it's like, why? Like, what's, what's even the reason? Like, does it intimidate their opponent? Like, what? Uh, I, I, I guess mean, Undertaker it was, did it every week, but it was one bike. And it was the Undertaker, so. That's, like, that's I, true, too. Yeah, that's true, too. If you're going to spend the money on somebody, you're right. going to spend it on Taker. Right. Or Eddie Guerrero when he had the cars every week. Yeah, that was great. I enjoyed that. That was dope. I'll say I'll go this far. Alberto Del Rio is not a good person. Let's make that clear. <laughs> but when he first came out as Del Rio and that gimmick, and he had the great luxury cars every single yeah. week. I mean, that was, I know that was hella, hella expensive. And when they started cutting back on the budget, they stopped that real fast. <laughs> uh, but it was a nice touch to the character. I will say that. Yeah. But this, like, these guys were just a mid-card faction. It wasn't... The Undertaker, who's a main eventer, Del Rio was pegged. You know, they wanted him to be a top guy. They gave him the WWE title and the world title at one point. So, okay. And Eddie Guerrero is one of the greatest of all time, too. So, DOA? That's just a, that's just a uh, misuse of resources there, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It, I mean, 
there was nothing special about them anyway. I mean, no. Whatever. They were all right. <laughs> they were. Uh, you know, I don't even think that that they they. I think they would ride around the ring, and then leave them at ringside. But I ultimately think they weren't. They didn't even stay there, did they? Somebody this, else would like ride them back. They rode them around the ring and rode them back up to the entranceway, and then walked down. <laughs> I was like, I could have just did that from the beginning, fam. <laughs> Saved us a good minute or two. Oh, my gosh. I will That's give them credit. Funny. They were over. Montreal popped big for DOX. Don't know why. <laughs> I don't want to know why. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, and I just don't care, but I don't know. <laughs> um, from the Truth Commission, though, the only person, I mean, obviously, you got Don Callis or the Jackal, who was in the Truth Commission, uh, who's now in AEW, I guess? Did he show up in uh, full gear? He did. As like commentator. Yeah, thought I saw that. Yeah. Uh, he's also with Impact recently. Uh, Winnipeg guy. You know, he's friends with Jericho. He's friends with Kenny Omega. So, you know, friends look out for the homies, of course. Um, but he is a great talk. I'm not going to deny Don Callis is like a talented person. He, he's good at what he does. Uh, but that's not, to me... One person to kind of remember from the Truth Commission, to me, is Kurgan. <laughs> yeah. I know some people look at Kurgan as like, oh, that big goof who was also eventually in the oddities. <laughs> but if you look at Kurgan, he's carved out quite the nice acting career for himself in the last couple of years, including uh, an appearance in the second season of Umbrella Academy. So, Ooh. I, I right, started I, watching that... Uh, I did not finish the first episode, but it is on my list. But I did start watching I will say, uh, a few a few weeks ago. Umbrella Academy is a decent show. It's it's full of secrets, and that's what's going to keep you watching. Mm. You got to figure out what what does this mean. But to me, that's like the biggest allure to it. It's frustrating because some of the characters just make me irate. <laughs> that's just my thought about Umbrella Academy. But when I saw Kurgan, I was like, oh. That's Kurgan. Like, I was like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. I was like, oh, I know yeah. that guy. <laughs> and my girl was like, calm down, bro. This is big looking dude here. Like, that's Kurgan. Like, <laughs> so. Start waving your hands in the air. <laughs> right. I know that guy. Um, uh, and I'm pretty sure he's, he's been in other things, too, over the years. Yeah, I do remember him uh, in some things. I don't, can't remember off the top of my head, but I do. I, I, I right. got to admit, though. I was a little upset by him. Why? During his entrance. The dude's, what did like, you, uh, how, how tall is he? Like, seven, close to seven feet tall? Uh, yeah, he's up there. And he did not step over the rope. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, you want to get this guy over, fair. and you don't have him step over the top rope? You, you, you that's book a him, thing. You book him to beat everyone and win the, win the match, and you don't? allow him to step over the top rope because of Kane maybe was it was this the the Vince McMahon you know edict you were not allowed to step over the top rope because Kane does that get out of here with that it maybe it pissed me off actually that's that's fair um I was gonna say I'm looking at his filmography at least his movies right he was in 300 what okay oh, 300 movies <laughs> Yeah, the movie. Remember the movie from back in the day? I was gonna say three hundred movies, like three hundred no. separate separate movies. The actual movie three hundred. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Well, that was that a, that was a joke, right? I'm sure. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ooh, a very bad one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that went flew right by me. Uh, <laughs> he was in Sherlock Holmes in 09. He was. I'm just looking at the big movies he's been in. Uh, Hercules in 2014. Pacific Rim in 2013. Uh, Deadpool two. That was oh. a big budget movie, you know. He was in Game Over Man as Tall Thug. Um. Which is pretty much his role. Like that's his niche in Hollywood is to be tall thug. <laughs> uh, and in Umbrella Academy, I'm pretty sure he was a fighter going up against Luther. I don't know. Have you seen? So you're on the first season, right? I'm on the first episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, he's in the second season, so I won't say okay. anything more. But um, yeah. So you've seen Luther? <laughs> it, oh God, it just some of these characters, bro, make me upset in that show. That's just all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Well, it's it's on the list. I just finished Cobra Kai, so uh, I watched the first awesome, like four man. episodes of Cobra Kai. I like that show a lot, actually. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm just waiting it's for the third show. season. Third season to yeah. drop in January, so that's uh, I got to fill my time with uh, something else. So that's going to be one of them. The Umbrella Academy. I definitely enjoyed. Have enjoyed that show so far. Um, what I did not enjoy was this match. It was just <laughs> again just another match. Yeah. Just that's like great. you know. Just here, the Jackal got pinned in like two minutes, and he went and did commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I remember when the Truth Commission won eventually, JR was like, you're going to see great things from the Truth Commission in the future. <laughs> and I wrote, narrator, he was wrong. <laughs> I, I I didn't like it back then, but, I mean, they weren't bad in the ring. <clears throat> so yeah, That's cool. But it, it, it was probably just like a, a thing for Kurgan to get over and uh i don't even think it, it was he called kurgan he was called the interrogator i know that um i don't know if he went by kurgan yet at this point but um he was the guy that like this match was built around getting him over so and i don't think he disappointed i i did laugh when he la- allowed his uh teammate to get pinned uh just so he can uh get crushed and to like the sidewalk slam or whatever to pin him but <laughs> Uh, that was the only uh, bad part of the match for me because I, I enjoy seeing DOA get messed messed up. <laughs> hmm. I did too. Um, <laughs> quick breaking news though: Ooh. there's a new NXT North American champion. Oh really? And I have and it his name t- is Leon Ruff. I have it on TV. Didn't even notice. <laughs> Aren't you happy? It happened. I'm, I'm paying attention to this podcast and not looking over to the TV. I am happy, but and I'm happy that Leon Ruff won yeah. the NXT North American title. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Moving on though, <laughs> um, after this match, we they cut to a video where they were asking fans outside of the building who would win the main event, and they were pretty much split down the middle, which isn't really surprising. Um, I remember WWE did this quite a bit back in the day. <laughs> I guess they don't have to anymore because obviously now it's a pandemic, but even in the last couple of years, they didn't like go outside the building and really talk to people like that for specific matches. It's just like they just put up a Twitter poll. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. Uh, then we go to the America Online Room with Kevin Kelly. <laughs> and he's in there with Steve Austin as he is cussing out the guy typing for him because he's Steve Austin and he's awesome. And um, I wrote down here, uh, remember America Online? Of course you do. But it's like, 
man, that's just a blast from the past, right? <laughs> uh, it, I remember they started doing this thing, um, and I, I thought it was like the dumbest thing. I'm like, wait, people aren't watching the pay per view? Like, they're why aren't they watching the pay per view? They're gonna sit there and just talk to somebody who is talking to a wrestler. That's so stupid. Like, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Uh, but I also enjoyed Steve Austin here where uh, he was like, am I concerned about my neck? you damn right I am. But like, <laughs> just like that whole that whole attitude, I was like, hell yeah. Like Steve yeah. Austin. And, and at this point, he was great throughout yeah. pretty much his run at Stone Cold. But for something about this 97 run after he got his neck broken until like late 97, his promos were off the charts good. Like it was... So damn funny, and I'm gonna talk yeah. about one later on uh, that I remember. Before I think it was before he relinquished the title, the IC oh, title yeah. to Owen Hart. <laughs> that was hilarious. But um, I wrote here also that Kevin Kelly he explained that you know you can get into the chat with just like four easy steps. It's like <laughs> why would that be four steps? But I guess it's '97, so yeah, <laughs> you had to do click international. Click sports and in keywords superstars. It's like, wow. Yeah. Remember, like you had to do the keywords and like click this and like. See, I, I never did that. So this was even before my time, because by the time I got the internet, it was even more advanced than this. <laughs> but I, I, was, I, by the time I got the internet, was probably like ninety eight, ninety nine ish. Yeah. They were still doing like some keywords were stuff they? like this. Like no, I didn't even like. I remember like for ESPN.com, it was like keyword go like keyword go or something like that it was something oh like that. you know like, what i maybe maybe i vaguely remember yeah. but i remember just using the internet for like wrestlezone.com that was my ah. that was my go-to <laughs> you didn't need no keywords for that wrestlezone <laughs> yep <laughs> done um but yeah it's just the internet how it's, different it's funny it's changed so much it really has instead of this four-step process to get into this chat <laughs> And I remember now doing live, I'd be like live like uh, videos on Twitter during the show. Yeah, yeah. And I you didn't know, even like, know like, like how you connected to it. Like I wasn't, I didn't really pay attention to it because you know, like I ordered the pay per view. I'm watching the content. Like I don't need other content. I'm watching what I want. And uh, you know, for me, our computer was in the other room for the longest time. So I was right. like, why would I go on my computer? Like I can't watch the pay per view. Like what? What's going also, on? Like, stupid. So, your mom was probably on the phone, so you can't <laughs> yeah. use a <the> computer. <laughs> like, true that. True that. She's like, oh, he watching wrestling. Let me get on my phone. Let me get on the <laughs> yeah. phone and talk to somebody. So and hey, she did that a lot. She was a visiting nurse. She would have to make calls every single night to her patients the there you next go. day. So she was always on the phone. Right. So you know damn well you're not getting on the internet when she's on the phone. Because <laughs> I know with me, boy, it's like I'm on the internet. And my mom would yell, "Get off the damn internet!" <laughs> <laughs> trying to use the phone damn <laughs> wow so that's people who are younger like you're born in like 2000 yeah, and you're yeah, listening no, to this yeah. i have no idea and, I, and people say that about to us like yeah <laughs> when back in the day when we had rotary phones and yeah. you know i remember people when we got caller id and cordless phones people were like man back in the day you had to answer the phone <laughs> we had a separate Say, I remember like our phone companies, we would have to sign up for like a caller ID, then we have to hook it up to our phone and then hook it up to the wall or whatever. And right, it's like a separate it, box. It was, yeah, it was a separate box. <laughs> it's a whole separate apparatus for a caller ID. <laughs> what a wild time. Yeah. 
and, uh, and you had to, you had the phone. Well, of course, you had the base for the phone. You had the cordless phone. You had to put mm-hmm. on the base. Yep. Then you had your caller ID. Then you had your answering machine. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was also a separate item. It was. You know, so yeah, that was wild times. And it would flash red. You know, if you had messages, you would come home. Oh yeah. We would come home from like a, you know, Saturday out, and our machine would be flashing. And yeah, check your messages. And the funniest thing is. I didn't realize that whoever was leaving a message could not hear like the other side. So I would always put the TV on mute. Like if I was home alone and I wouldn't pick up, I put <laughs> it on mute because I th- I didn't want them to hear the TV in the background, even <laughs> though that was impossible. Like I didn't understand right. the technology, but they're like, Oh, they, they could hear me not answering the phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh man, Time, man, Being the nineties, the nineties, bro. <laughs> I remember when broadband first came out, people were like, what? And you, yep. you got rid of the dial-up? Yep. And then, of course, Wi-Fi changed everything. But when broadband internet came out, I don't know. Again, people, if you're younger, you understand how big of a game changer that was. Dude. Where it wasn't hooked up to your phone anymore. I remember going to school one day, and we were supposed to get like the cable modem that day. And I was so excited like all day. And I came home, and the first thing I went... I, went to the computer, put in a website like WWF.com or something, and it came up in like two seconds. I was like, yes! I, like, yeah. I, w- I walked around my house in victory. This is the future! <laughs> now, if a website doesn't come up in two seconds, you're like throwing the device through the window. You're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? Get this shit out of here! <laughs> Get out of here! And like, it didn't come up on my phone in two seconds. Like, what's wrong with my phone now? Yeah. So... Yeah. So the moral of the story, times have changed. That's the moral <laughs> of the story. Um, let's move on to the next match, though, where we got some patriotism involved here. We got Team USA, which was a very eclectic like, group. Yeah. Like, sucked. Uh, for Team USA. <laughs> this is the best uh, the USA can come up with? Damn it. <sighs> you had... I mean, look, in hindsight... You got two future Hall of Famers on the team. Right? Steve, Steve Blackman and Vader. Oh, you're not counting Goldust? Okay. <laughs> Steve he's Blackman a, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's an AEW. He doesn't count yet. He'll get in one day. <laughs> uh, but, of course, Team USA is Vader, uh, Steve Blackman, as you said, Goldust, and Mark Merrow. Uh, what do you think about it? In wrestling terms, what a weird team this is. But in reality, don't mess with this team. <laughs> like, do not cross paths with Mark Merrill, Golden Gloves boxer, Steve Blackman, legitimate martial artist, and now it's like a bail bondsman who hunts people for a living, <laughs> and Vader, former football player, who was just punching people's eyes out in Japan. Like, or did he get his eye punched out? Either way, he got if he got his eye punched out, he did, he finished the match. Okay, <laughs> so he's a tough some bitch. Let's just say that. All right, uh, do not mess with these guys. Okay, uh, so that's Team USA, uh, but Team Canada, another very interesting group because only one guy was from Canada, mm. Jim Neidhart from the United States. British Bulldog <laughs> from the UK, United Kingdom. Doug Furness from, I believe, from the United States as well. 
And then Phil Lafon, who was from Quebec. There you go. One out of four. One, not bad. That's all you need, I guess. Yeah, it's a 200 batting average. Or 250, I should 200 say. batting average. What a, what a, what a matches was. Yeah. Which is <laughs> how did we get here? Uh, well, if you think back to, what was it, um, the Canadian Stampede in July, it had gold dust on that team. And <laughs> gold dust always pegged as Team USA guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess because he went against Pillman, and then once Brian Pillman died, gold dust turned uh, heel. <laughs> so this was like the first time he was heel, I think. Because uh, I don't think he, he wasn't at Bad Blood, but um, yeah, this was like his heel turn when he dumped Marlena and Steve Blackman. Well, he just, was a heel in '95. Yeah, but I'm, well, I'm, I mean, like he he was a face before this, so I'm gotcha, saying like gotcha. that's what I meant. Um, the first time he was heel after that, and then Steve Blackman had just appeared that raw before Survivor Series. <laughs> like, it was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. So there's a whole it's story so behind weird. Steve Blackman here. Because they were setting up the team for Team America. And he was a, a, posing as a quote-unquote fan who was jumping in to save Team America from the Heart Foundation. And Steve Blackman got quote-unquote arrested um, for, you know, jumping in the ring because he's a fan. Uh, I don't know how they arrested him because he could beat up everybody in the arena. Um, Vader bails him out of jail just so he can be in the match. <laughs> All right. Uh. Can you imagine, like, in reality, <laughs> this would never happen. But here we are. This is wrestling. It can only happen in wrestling. Uh, Blackman, by the way, is from Anvil, Pennsylvania. I do not know where that is in Pennsylvania. Anvil? Like in relation to Philadelphia. Like least. Jim the Anvil Nightheart? No. An, like A-N-N-Ville. V-I-A, V-I-L-L-E. Oh. It is township in, in Pennsylvania. Lebanon, Lebanon County, Pennsylvania. There you go. The population 4,767 10 years ago. That is actually so. closer to Philadelphia than it is Pittsburgh. Well, there you go. Be closer to Philadelphia than Harrisburg. Hmm. So, so, what you're saying is Steve so Black is from he's, Philly. He's a Philly guy. Pretty much. Yeah. One of us. Okay. Okay. Probably an Eagles fan. Probably. Steve Blackman, if you're an Eagles fan, this is at us. Does this guy have a Twitter account? <laughs> I don't know. He's like a bounty hunter, though. I don't think he. Steve Blackman doesn't strike me as a guy that's just going to be tweeting and stuff. <laughs> Maybe he does. I don't know. I'm looking it up. Well, the only verified Steve Blackman is not the the one we are currently talking about. Right. It's a showrunner of Umbrella Academy. <laughs> How about that? Oh, there's a Steve That's Blackman. Funny. Steve Blackman. Steve underscore Blackman. His avatar is one of those South Park uh, avatars. Mm. <laughs> but his last tweet was in 2013. <laughs> oh. And his last tweet was, can you guys get CM Punk to follow me? I'd like to talk to him. <laughs> if you could all retweet oh this, you'd be doing me a big favor. But he spells favor, F-A-V-O-U-R. Well, so he's probably Canadian. 
or yeah. British. Either one. But his city is listed as Pittsburgh, PA. Oh. But it's Maybe without from Canada. But it's without the H. Oh my god, this he has 9,876 <laughs> followers. There's a lot of like Sean Waltman follows him. A lot of these verified wrestling accounts follow him. So this is probably him, but he hasn't tweeted in seven years. This is a lot of talk about some Steve Blackman guy we do not know. <laughs> Maybe we got to um, do a deep dive on Steve Blackman. We do not. And um, just to make sure, I look it up as wiki to make sure he didn't pass away because I would feel really awkward if uh, we were talking about him and he passed away. But he's still alive, thank goodness. Talking about wrestling Steve Blackman? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he's still alive, yeah. yeah. Uh, Goldust had <laughs> F.U. painted on his face. He did. <laughs> and apparently stood for Forever Unchained. Oh, okay. That's what Jim Ross said. Oh. So I don't believe him. <laughs> I don't believe him neither. <laughs> uh, also, Blackman was the first, I believe he was the first eliminated. He got counted out. Because he just didn't know wrestling rules, apparently. Like, you just never watch wrestling? You gotta get back in the <laughs> ring before the count of 10, bro. Made him look stupid. Well, they kept, they kept attacking him, didn't they? It's like, he couldn't get back in the ring because they kept attacking him. That's what I got out of it. He was whooping people's asses like Steven Seagal, though. <laughs> he was. Like, he was just kicking people, like, behind him, not looking. Bam, bam. Yeah. Yep. They turned into an action movie real fast. Yep. So, <laughs> Gold Dust, though. He's interesting because the whole story behind him was that he abandoned Marlena, like you said earlier, he broke up with Marlena. They said he abandoned Marlena and their child. So he's a deadbeat dad. <laughs> and JR was just giving him the business on commentary. It's just, it pretty much was one step away from calling him a piece of garbage. Like, <laughs> it's just like, why is this a story? He's a deadbeat father. Like, all right. Um, did you get that? Uh, hear what Jerry Lawler said? <laughs> I did not. About he was talking about Coldus getting rid of Marlena, and uh, that's how he put it. He got rid of her or whatever. And Jerry Lawler says, "Let me give him a little advice: always pay your alimony on time. If not, she'll repossess you." <laughs> I mean, he ain't lying. And Jr. said, "You speaking from experience?" And Jerry Lawler said, "Yeah." Of course. <laughs> Simply, yeah. Hell, JR, no. He got divorced <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> Don't be acting uh, like he ain't out here. Was a multi time divorcee? Yeah. I think he I think he got divorced twice. I think so. I think so, yeah. Definitely once. Jim Ross. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Damn it! Not happy with your NFL picks or fantasy lineup? Luckily, we have you covered. Follow Fox Sports The Gambler for its Sunday service. This is what we needed. Our sports wagering wizard, Mark Drumheller, fantasy guru, Tony Jigsaw Catillo, and Eagles insider, Victor Williams, serve up a Sunday feast. That's what you do, TV! Of winning players, picks, and everything you need to start your work week off on the right foot. Always tune into Fox Sports The Gambler on the iHeartRadio app or 1025 FM. Oh, uh, this match was just, again, another match though, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't care. They, uh, my favorite parts were part of the commentary, you know, like gold, fu- gold, gold fussed. <laughs> gold, gold dust. Fuss. <laughs> That's how uh, much we cared about this match. Yeah, pretty much. 
Goldust refusing to tag in, and then Jerry Lawler said, oh, his hand must be really hurting him because he had a cast on his hand. And JR said, then take a tile and all. Get in there. Like, <laughs> right. The commentary was a lot more entertaining uh, than the actual match. Yeah, the actual match was very, very forgettable. Uh, the Team Canada won, uh, and that's it. Uh, the next thing I noticed here, though, after the match, they said this was the largest crowd to ever see a Survivor Series at 20,593. Now, I couldn't find any reliable sources to prove that other than Wikipedia. <laughs> I'll admit that, like, I, I, can't, I couldn't find it anywhere else. But Wikipedia says that's not true because apparently the first Survivor Series had 21,300. And that's still to this day, according to Wikipedia, at least. Again, take that with a grain of salt. That is the largest crowd in Survivor Series history. So, but that's Wikipedia. Mm. I couldn't find it anywhere else. So, well, if anybody got I the actual we, number out there, we don't. We don't have from to. A different source. You found it. Let me know. <laughs> but um, twenty thousand. Still a big crowd for a Survivor Series of all shows. Yeah, you know how much I don't like Survivor Series. Right, and ninety-seven too. So, next thing on the agenda here was that J.R. King had to talk about the, you ready for this? The Survivor Series Super Supper Sweepstakes. I love it. And they both struggled through that because it's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Say that five times fast. Super Supper Sweepstakes. Super Supper Sweepstakes. Survivor Series Super Supper Sweepstakes. <laughs> Survivor Series Super Supper Sweepstakes. Bless you. It's just Super Supper Sweepstakes. So, how archaic does this sound? People had to send in a postcard. (laughs) All right? Oh, man. To win the contest. And JR called the winner on the air. And Jacqueline. I don't know where Jacqueline's from. Don't know her last name, but she won. Jacqueline Cook from Columbia, South Carolina. There you go. I didn't didn't catch that part. Uh, She got a dinner with the wrestler of her choice. So, naturally, she she chose... Steve Austin, because that's probably the choice everybody would have made back in late 1997. So, uh, but there you go, the Survivor Series Super Supper sweepstakes. If they called me. I would have been like, I want my Philly guy, Steve Blackman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think who would I have chosen? Maybe, uh, maybe I would have chosen Kurgan. I don't know. <laughs> so if I put I myself know. in my 12 year old mind. Uh, probably, I, I still kind of like Shawn Michaels, even though he was a heel. So maybe him or the Undertaker, or some some lame choice, probably. Some lame choice. Yeah. Maybe they had bangers. That probably sounded like a a great time yeah. for a twelve year old like I, you, dude. <laughs> I will say uh, they were my favorite wrestling figures because they came with the kilts and everything, and uh, it was awesome. Like they. The detail was so good on their wrestling figures, uh, the action figures. Uh, it was a lot better than a lot of the other ones. So I enjoyed uh, the just the way they came. It I felt like more effort was put into them <laughs> than like some of the others. So they were Which like my favorite odd. ones. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Which is very odd. Um, up next is Kane versus Mankind and. What was Kane's official in-ring debut? And I put here, the video package before this match was absolutely brilliant. Like, 
fantastic. Like, WWF killed this video package with Kane. Also, bro, how awesome was Kane in the very beginning? Like, the presentation, the story, whoever came up with the fire from the ring post is a damn genius. <laughs> like, everything about it was great. They eventually ruined it. But in the beginning, but not for a while. He was like, yeah, yeah. he was the, I don't know. I just, he was like anything, uh, unlike anything anybody had ever seen in WWF. And he wasn't a hokey character. He wasn't the Yeti <laughs> or anything like that. He was, they played it dead serious. And man, if you say the Undertaker is the greatest gimmick that WWF slash Vince McMahon has ever created, Kane is probably number two. And probably number three is Goldust, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah I think uh, so much effort was put into this simply because uh, they knew they were going to have a storyline for years. If, if you're going to be The Undertaker's brother, you're going to come in. It's not just going to be a one and done. It's not going to be, uh, you know, you're just going to come in, Undertaker's going to beat you, and then you're going to leave. They put a lot of effort into this and it showed right from the very beginning and i loved every part of it i really did i i thought the you know i believed in some of this stuff because i didn't know wrestling was fake to a degree at this point um at least the effects i should say be like wow like the fire from the ring posts like how does that happen i didn't realize someone was like in the back pushing a button you know um so yeah, it, it was. I even wrote about it in my journal. You know, Kane set the cameraman on fire in like '98. <laughs> you know, I re- remember writing about that. And the teacher was like, and "Your teacher uh, looked at you like, what okay. in the hell?" <laughs> so Kane was always really cool to me from his debut. Um, I hated that he was a bad guy because I was like, man, I would love him to be a good guy and just kill people, but uh, not the Undertaker, man. Come on. And, uh, you know, he even in defeat at WrestleMania, he kicked out of, like, two tombstones, and the third one finally put him down. Uh, yeah. Undertaker could barely get him up, but, you know, he, he was kept really – he was kept strong for quite a while. Yeah, and they got a couple more matches out of it. They got the Inferno match. Uh, did, did they have one more match after that? Like that in 98? Definitely had the Inferno match. Uh, they had the Inferno match, and then Over the Edge was when he was all in Austin's corner. So that, I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe on Raw, but that was like, you know, when they started the whole they're in cahoots thing. So uh, yeah, probably not was, around that time. To me, when they were like working together in '98, was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because they would just come out in the middle of matches and just beat everybody up. Like they would well, cut to them walking to the ring. There would be yeah. no music. Like today, there'd be music playing, yeah. which is annoying when they gotta play music for everybody's entrance, even when it's supposed to be impromptu. Yeah. Um, but they would already they would cut to them. They already be halfway down the ramp, just walking with like a supreme purpose, ready to whoop somebody's ass. And they would they did it. I thought that was hella funny in '98. But yeah. there was yeah. nothing funny about K in '97. <laughs> like let's just be clear. They played him dead, se- deadly serious. Uh, he also even wrestled under the red lights, which yeah, did not fit the fiend at all. But it kind of fit Kane. It, it did. It was a uh, described as Jim Ross and an unexplained power from Kane. <laughs> so he just bought into it. Unexplained power. Uh, but yeah, nothing funny about Kane. Uh, Toss still steps right into mankind's face. I mean, he was just vicious, extremely vicious. And I wrote here that in order to get someone's vicious viciousness over, 
Mankind was always the guy that was put in that role. So he did it for Kane in 97. He did it for The Rock in early 99. And then he did it for Triple H in early 2000. And he would do whatever it took to get, get these guys to, you know, get their mean streak over. Whether it's mm-hmm. taking crazy bumps off the ring apron, through the table, like he did in this match. Um, you know, he went back first. Uh, he took another crazy bump from the top rope to the outside on the floor, like back first again. It was just sick bumps that didn't help mankind's body at all. But of course, he had to match with the Rocket or a Rumble, where he took like fourteen unprotected headshots, um, you know, chair shots at the head, I should say. And Triple H, when they was doing the street fight and the Hell in a Cell at the Royal Rumble and No Way Out in the early two thousand, I mean. Mankind was always that guy because he he would take a hell of a beating. Yeah, uh, like I said, it cost him in many ways, health wise. But he helped he helped multiple guys get over because of it. And Kane was, I guess, the first in WWF. Um, and then again, Triple H and The Rock he did the same thing for them as well. Yeah, I, I was uh, yeah, Kane really made an impact on me because I felt so bad for mankind like at, at this time. And even uh, when he, after the do love run in 1998 and he went back to mankind and when the undertaker came out dressed as Kane and he hit mankind with a chair, like on the outside when Austin was on commentary or something like that. And uh, you know, mankind was just sitting there and we all thought it was Kane, but then he hit mankind with the chair up against the steel steps and, I was like, oh my God, he didn't do anything to you. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like this whole, you know, Kane and Mankind and Undertaker, those were the three that um, I just gravitated towards during this. Like, obviously Austin, um, but those were like, I, I guess my top four in the WWF from 97 to 98. Uh, I really, it, it's just something about them was so different. And like you said, they they were taken seriously and it's a shame nowadays that it just doesn't happen, but it's a completely different product. And I mean, the fiend has gone so back and forth where in the beginning I was like, man, this is great. But then like he, he wins the title, then he loses it. And then he's kind of like a weird guy. And then now he's back and I actually love him right now with the whole Alexa bliss dynamic. I think it's great. So, you know me, man. I've been over the fiend. Yeah. And from the very beginning, I was like, eh. but I, I love the Alexa Bliss stuff. That got me back into it. Eh. <laughs> Give me more of the Roman Reigns Usos stuff. Yeah, that's the stuff I'm here yeah. for. Yeah, that's good. That's the stuff I'm here for. Well, you, you get that on Fridays, and then you get the fiend and Alexa on Mondays. I love no, I'll it. pass. I'll pass. <laughs> oh pass. yeah, you're busy. You're busy okay. watching football, right? <laughs> it's just that no I just don't I, I watch Raw I pop in on Raw I just don't really drive with the Fiend stuff I'm mm. not my cup of tea man the Roman Reigns stuff is fantastic though yeah like every little subtlety and the facial expressions and yeah. Roman what was it last week Roman Reigns is like you gotta clear that interview with me fam yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, like straight like... up bossed up on Jay, Jimmy uh, was it Jay or Jimmy I can't remember but either one Jay yeah Jay right now Jay Uso straight up yeah. bossed up on him though <laughs> did you clear that interview with me like you gonna let Kevin Owens talk to you like that? You're like, Disres- you disrespect you, disrespects me, disrespects me, disrespects a family. Like I'm like, oh, yep, this is deep. That was badass. I gotta say, I was, I was feeling Bro, it's it. Dope. Yep. It's dope. And then Paul Heyman is not even like 
cocky manager. He's like standing in the background, like oh, I don't know what he's gonna do. <laughs> like it's great. I I love every second of it. It is great. by far the best thing finally, in WWE today. Finally, we got something that uh, you know we could sink our teeth into in, in WWE programming and really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, uh, honestly, it, it really is. It's so it's, to me, it's so good. Uh, maybe Paul Heyman has something to do with that. That's the reason why it's so good. Mm-hmm. Don't know, but kudos to whoever is coordinating it, plotting it out, and to everybody involved who's acting it out on television because they've hit nothing but homers every week, pretty much, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. speaking of, we're not speaking of anything, back to Survivor Series 1997, <laughs> uh, Kane won because this was his <laughs> first match. Of course he's going to win. Kane won, um, yep. He won. Uh, beat the hell out of Mankind. Again, Mankind was there just to take crazy bumps for, for Kane. Make him not just win. Have him not just put him over as far as win and losses, but put him over from a viciousness standpoint. And that happened on this night. Um, after this, though, they transitioned to another, like, weird sweepstakes type of thing where people can send in dog their cable tag. bill. Oh, hell yeah. To get dog tags? I got one. But you I don't got think, one? Yeah, but I don't think I set in the proof of purchase to get this one. I think I got it at like a store or something. It had the uh, WWF logo on one side, the one that was shown on this pay-per-view, and then on the other side, it was Austin 316. Oh. <laughs> and I wore it every damn day of my life back then. It was I'm awesome. sure. <laughs> That's funny. Did bring back memories, though. Uh, I never... The, the only proof of purchase thing I, I think I got was like 10 or 12 years ago. Um my mom actually gave me like the copy of the cable bill. I sent it in myself and I got like a collectible motorcycle figure figurine of WrestleMania 20. It might've been 24. Uh, I don't exactly Ugh. remember, but uh, it was cool. I ha- still have it in the package and whatever. And it was like, I mean, why not? <laughs> I remember 2013. This is before WWE network, obviously. And I was writing for Philly.com. I was writing about pay-per-views. And I was like, look, I want to cover these pay-per-views because they do good traffic or whatever. But they cost like $60 a month. So uh, can y'all look out for it, brother? I was like, all right, yeah, you order it. Keep your cable bill and we'll reimburse you. And I was like, oh, that's dope. And I did that. Nice. And then WWE Network came out. I was like, oh, I guess I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy to think about. That. that was just only seven years ago when we were still ordering pay-per-views, at least from a wrestling standpoint. People still do when it talks about AEW. And even like a Ring of Honor or New Japan, you do it. I guess New Japan, you do it through New Japan World, but or T- Impact, you might you know still do pay per views. But with WWE, I mean, come on, who's doing that nowadays? No one, at least you shouldn't. Um, in twenty twenty, when streaming services are everywhere, mm-hmm. like everybody named Mama got a streaming service. So <laughs> it's just like I said, that's only seven years ago. That wasn't that long ago. We're talking about like um, dial up modems and um yeah different things that you know caller id being a separate device and answer machine being a separate device that was 23 years ago yeah when you have a cover for your computer an actual cover (laughs) right you had to cover it up because you don't want it to get dusty exactly you know it's like you were painting every night though you put the cover on the computer it's like you start you gonna start painting over here no i just i just cover it up so don't get dusty (laughs) um like what but (laughs) right but now they again, but seven years ago, only seven years ago, pay per views are still a thing, and now they're just leasing wrestling for the most part, gone. So, uh, we cut backstage though. 
and we get an interview with Michael Cole. Yeah. He's interviewing Vince McMahon and Sergeant Slaughter. I was so confused here. <laughs> What's that? I was so confused here as a kid. I'm like, what the hell's Vince yes. doing there? <laughs> this is where things get confusing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it lends to the conspiracy theories out there. Because Vince and Sergeant Slaughter talked about how there's going to be extra security around the ring. I don't know why that would happen yeah, in storyline. I, I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to keep DX away and the Heart Foundation away, but that, like, it didn't make sense to me even with that. Uh, it was just so weird. I, I guess in story, they, they wanted to explain, because they knew they were going to have people out there, and I guess they wanted to explain to the viewers why people were out there. Uh, maybe. But I, I really don't feel like they had to. Hmm. But... They said that they, they had extra security out there because it was important that people finally saw Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. And then Michael Cole asks this very bizarre question. He asked Vince McMahon, <laughs> who was going to win? And Vince said, I don't know. And it's like, what? <laughs> Why did he ask him that question? This is even more confusing to me as a kid... Uh, more than an adult when you hear like those analysts on TV during a sport, like before a sports game, uh, like pick their teams, uh, who they think that they're, who's going to win. I was like, why the hell is, who, who the hell's Michael Cole and who the hell's Vince McMahon? Like I, to me, he was just still a commentator. I was like, why the hell are you asking Vince McMahon who's going to win? Right. Was he asking for his prediction? It didn't, it sound, didn't sound like, like it. it though. No. And I, he he said, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Like, Right. The <laughs> Who the hell are you, Michael Cole? This is your like second pay per view. Shut the hell up. Yeah, it was just. It was. Where odd. the hell's Todd Pettengill at? Damn it! Oh man. <laughs> I'm hot. Yeah, Todd Pettengill wouldn't ask a silly question like that. Todd Pettengill would be like, "Oh, Vince, you look good today. Nice coat. <laughs> <laughs> you look good today." <laughs> but it, it was just a. When I watched it back, I remember watching it back a couple years ago, and I was like, "Huh." And I watched it back again. And I was just like, "Strange, awkward, very awkward. Why strange. even put that in there?" I didn't. I still don't understand it. Like I, like you said, it, it, he could have been asking for his prediction, but it didn't sound like it. No, he didn't a, ask. Uh, hey, prediction time. Right, who you got? Who's exactly. going to win tonight? He just asked. Like, I'm put you in a hot seat. Who is going to win the match? <laughs> yeah. As if Vince McMahon had a say. Now, of course, in reality, he did. Yeah, but that's never been a thing in story no. in storyline. No, never. Even. After this, after the screw job thing, it's never been like Vince McMahon decides who wins and loses. It's just Vince McMahon wants certain people to win and he wants certain people to lose, but he doesn't just, he's not the booker, you know, like he's not yeah. putting, you know, it, it was, it was odd. It was very odd. So, uh, we got another match coming out though. Another Survivor Series match. We got the Nation of Domination versus Ahmed Johnson, Ken Shamrock, and the Legion of Doom. Slash the Road Warriors. Uh, they had a promo before the match with the good guys, Johnson, Shamrock, LOD. And Shamrock hit him hit, hit him with the Tell him Hawk during the promo. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> he got to do Tell him Hawk. Which is like, if you've watched any Road Warriors promo, Animal yells and screams for like two, 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 two or three minutes. <laughs> and then when it's time to transition to Hawk, Tell him Hawk! And Hawk goes, well... And there they go. Love it. People loved every second of it. So, That's right. 
it was, it was kind of cool that uh, Shamrock got to do that on this night. You know what um, they, but, I found interesting? Montreal loved Ken Shamrock. In 97, there's no reason not to love Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock went against the Hart Foundation in July and August. Yet he was cheered. So did Steve Austin. <laughs> like, well, that, that's, and they love Steve I, Austin. I did make a note of that later. It was like, it's funny how this these Canadian crowds absolutely are loving some of these guys. Uh, which was kind of cool to see, honestly. Like, I was kind of taken aback as a kid. I was like, but wait, Ken Shamrock was against the Hart Foundation in July in the main event. Like, why are they cheering him? I was kind of confused about that. But yeah. Ken Shamrock was a badass. So <laughs> He was. And he probably either should have beaten Shawn Michaels for the title in late 97 oh, or at least yeah. had a title match against Steve Austin, like a big title yeah. match. And, and they, it just never happened for whatever They did reason. it on like a Monday Night Raw or something. <laughs> it's like, come on, right. man. <laughs> but Shamrock was dope. And yeah. uh, I wish we had a young Shamrock in like 2020. Yeah. Uh, and seeing like, you, yeah. know, you got Matthew Riddle out there. He's like the bro guy. But Shamrock was the world's most dangerous man. He would just freak out and just, his music was dope. He could just yes. walk to the ring with all yes. intense and stuff like that. Yep. I thought he was, I thought it was dope. Yeah. He's not I the used same. Ken Shamrock and Warzone. I thought he was that good. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did the same. I, I really liked the ankle lock, too. I thought that was like a great move because yeah. it's like uh, it, you were basically snapping the guy's ankle. Um, there's nothing he could do about it. He could try to reach for the ropes, but you ha- you're you in the position to pull him back. So I just thought it was right. always a cool move. And uh, I liked Ken Shamrock for, for the longest time. He was dope. Yeah. He was real dope. And... um. Warzone was a trash game, but Ken, using Ken Shamrock in it was fun. So there you go. Uh, one thing I noticed that kind of perturbed me in this promo was that they were talking about getting rid of the quote unquote criminal element when referring to the Nation of Domination. And I was like, what? Like, you talk about that when referring to the Nation of Domination, a group of four or five black guys? Hmm. Oh. Don't like that. Oh. Don't like that. And I know they were, tra- they were going for They're going for like it's the mean streets of WWF, I guess. Like. <laughs> Yeah, gang rules and all this other stuff. But it was just weird because they didn't talk about that with anybody else but the Nation of Domination. No, that's true. Like, what about the criminal element of Disciples of Apocalypse? They were (laughs) a a biker gang. They commit crimes too. Right? Yeah, they probably actually were criminals at the time. Probably. (laughs) A lot of these guys probably were. A lot of these white guys probably were. That's probably knocking off gas stations along the way to every show. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, but one thing, <laughs> Ahmed Johnson is always a fantastic source of comedy for <laughs> us here at the Straight Shooters. If you want to rewind the hands of time and shooters, uh, the shooters radio universe, or you know, reality in general, uh, go back and listen to our Roar Rumble '97 <laughs> uh, live commentary from a while back. Oh, that's great! Where uh, Ahmed Johnson was the source of many great laughs for us <laughs> that was a good episode how, by the way i will re uh repost that at some point yeah soon fantastic guys, stuff if, if you haven't listened to it yet listeners please please just listen to that it's amazing there's audio there ma- we have the match audio too you don't even have to watch it on tv we have the audio for you right. check it out uh, we make fun of him then and we're going to make fun of him again right now because <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, Ahmed Johnson was soaked and wet. <laughs> like, it's like 
he poured a bucket of baby oil on. He's glistening under uh. those lights. Like, what? What? Why? What? Did you just jump in the shower, turn the water on real quick, and then <laughs> jump out to the ring? Like, what? What? I don't know. It's just he was so just moist. I didn't like it. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. Um, he was. <laughs> he was so moist. <laughs> He was. It was like, oh, I wish you were ashy tonight. <laughs> it's like, how can anyone Sweet. lock up with him? You know? No, he just slipped right out. <laughs> yeah. Just slipped right out. <sighs> uh, the Road Warriors came out. They got a massive pop per use. Uh, and I, I, I popped watching this because they had those beautiful, oh, so beautiful world tag team title belts. Yep. Man. I couldn't tell you how much I hate the current WWE tag titles. Like, it'll take an entire episode of the Straight Shooters to tell you how much I hate them. But I can also spend just as much time to tell you how much I love these titles from 97. Fantastic stuff. I love They them. are the greatest. Beautiful. Um, this is, again, pretty much a standard match. I mean, I don't know if anything stood out to you. Uh, the Outlaws come out with LOD shoulder pads. If you notice, LOD didn't have the shoulder pads. Yeah. Uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn stole them. Um, they interfered in the match. And eventually came down to The Rock and Ken Shamrock. Um, and The Rock hit Shamrock with a chair, but Shamrock kicked out. And then Shamrock eventually got in an ankle lock and forced The Rock to tap out, making him the lone survivor. Funny though, funny thing though, is that The Rock and Shamrock had this feud going into WrestleMania. Yeah. And it made pretty much. It made The Rock's career. I think it elevated The Rock for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. If, I mean, they had the, the, the King of the Ring match too, which Ken Shamrock won. So they both helped each other out. But I guess yeah. for whatever reason, that's like a big deal between the two of them because The Rock just inducted Ken Shamrock into the Impact, Impact. Wrestling Hall yeah. of Fame. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe they which have. It's pretty a, dope of The Rock to do that. It is. Maybe they have a close relationship. Uh, uh, you know, this. I I was so for Ken Shamrock around this time frame. I was pissed off when he lost to Shawn Michaels. Well, when he didn't win the title from Shawn Michaels. Uh, it, he felt... Uh, I, honestly, I didn't see what was happening with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, as like a 12-year-old, I was like, I didn't really see the ascent uh, of him, and I didn't realize WrestleMania obviously was going to be Stone Cold's moment at the time. For me, at this point of my fandom of watching TV every week and every pay-per-view, I mean, Austin wasn't wrestling. You know, this was his first pay-per-view back in like three months. So, and for me, I was just kind of like, okay, Ken Shamrock's going to be the guy. Um, you know, I I, I started kind of gravitating towards him and I was like, I liked him a lot. And he, was, he became one of my favorites at the time. And like he was... I loved when he like blew up on the British Bulldog at SummerSlam when Bulldog smashed like the dog food in his face and he just went crazy. Uh, like I loved it. <laughs> he was like suplexing all the referees and putting them in ankle locks. <laughs> it just cracked me up. And then Royal Rumble against The Rock, you know, like he won, but then The Rock shoved the brass knuckles in his tights and then told the referee that. You know, he hit him, and the referee was like, "What are those?" And he pulls out brass knuckles. He's like, "Hey, they're not mine." You know, like so. The whole feud with the Rock, and I think he hit the nail on the head, was like fantastic, I, and it helped out 
The Rock just as much as it did Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock obviously never had the career that The Rock did, but in this point of time in the WWF, I was like totally a Ken Shamrock mark. <laughs> hey, I don't blame you at all for that. Ken Shamrock yeah. was dope. Like I yeah. said, it, yeah, plenty of reason to. And, be and the Ken theme Shamrock song, the theme song was one of like I don't remember if it's it was so the second, good. the second volume or the third volume that his theme was on, but I remember like just listening to it, and I was like, yeah, this like I could see how this gets me hype. Like, you know, yeah. it, it was like just awesome. Yeah, he he was great, and WWE definitely dropped the ball on not putting him with Steve Austin for a match, um, yeah, yeah. for a pay per view match for the championship. But you know, that's neither here nor there. But I think this definitely should have happened mm-hmm. uh, at some point in '98. Um, but on this mm-hmm. night, Ken Shamrock is a winner. Uh, you know what's uh, funny about this, comma? I did not realize he was the same person as Papa Shango. And they look so much alike in this particular match. His movements, now, his are body. Are you saying you didn't know back then or you didn't know now? I didn't know back then. Oh, okay. I'm about to say, what actually, are you talking about, bro? <laughs> I actually found out Kama and Papa Shango were the same person uh, maybe in like 2002. It was like when the Godfather came back. It's like he left for a little bit and then he came back it might have been the Royal Rumble at some point, or he, he returned for a little bit in the WWF before it was WWE. So that's when I like realized, I was like, holy crap, that's that's Papa Shago. Holy crap. <laughs> but it's just so funny that he looks so much like him in this particular match. And how did I not know? Like I, I think subconsciously I was like, this dude looks familiar, and I think I've seen him before, but I knew he was Kama. I knew he was the same one that had the hair and that had the red you know singlet with the white t-shirt in the corporation so i was like okay like i know that's the same guy because they had the same name <laughs> i didn't realize that kama was papa shango until way later it's it's but it's just so funny i didn't ever put two and two together until way later mm-hmm. and it's funny did you Sometimes. hear jerry lawler name drop kevin dunn during this match i did not <laughs> there was apparently like a huge Mike feedback uh, at some point in this match, it was like maybe f- two or three seconds long. And I remember rewinding back because uh, Jerry Lawler said it was probably Kevin Dunn's fault. <laughs> probably was. And I was just like, um, oh, that's funny. We get a quick promo for Degeneration X. To in- the, I think it was, was that, that wasn't the last in your house. It was one of the last in your houses, uh, right? It was they had, the. No, they had. They had in your house 98. I, was, I take that back. It's the last one that's on the network uh, on the in your house banner um that's true because i think it was the last one that they really like they, they used they had the logo the the original in your house logo in there so i think the next in your house it was just kind of like a tagline it was like no way out of texas colon in, in your house. house and then they did right. that for a little bit so i think that's why there's like a yeah, they, they didn't make in your house the first thing. They switched it to the end, and then right, they right. eventually phased it out. Yep. So, but the next match here, it's a big match: Intercontinental Championship, Steve Austin versus Owen Hart, and a rematch from their um, memorable encounter at SummerSlam, where of course Steve Austin was going to win the Intercontinental Championship, and he did win, but not before he was dropped on his head by Owen Hart. 
in a mistake, in an accident, and broke Steve Austin's neck. And somehow Steve Austin had the strength and the wherewithal to kind of roll up Owen Hart and get the win, but he was you know, the damage was done. He was all messed up. Uh, and eventually Steve Austin had to relinquish the title. Now, on his way to doing that, though, to that and you know him on his way back, Steve Austin had this promo at his house. I don't know if you've seen this promo, Nick. Yep. Yep. <laughs> My God, it's classic. Amazing. This this is uh, why Friday Night's main event needs to be available because I believe it first aired on Friday Night's main event. You can look it up on YouTube right now. Yeah, well, and it's crappy Steve quality. It's true, but <laughs> WWF sends a camera crew to Steve Austin's house in Texas, and he doesn't know they're coming. So he answers the door. He's got all the camera on. He's like, I ain't got to talk to y'all. They're going to send a camera crew down here to talk to me, blah, blah, blah. And I ain't talking to nobody. I answer none of your questions. And he <laughs> slams the door in their face. And then literally like a second later, he opens it back up. He's like, you know what? I answered the question you got. Come on in. <laughs> like, it was great. Oh, my God. Then he cussing the camera crew out he's like watch your step there if you fall out slap the hell out of you like man he's cursing I, I clean that up by the way he's cursing he's talking it's fantastic dude you can tell this was not a scripted this was all steve austin off the cuff and it was great it was yeah so if you I, haven't seen this promo when he's shooting arrows in his backyard he shoots one of the yeah. monsoon's picture uh, Jim Ross, Vince McMahon. The Jim Ross picture was so stupid. And he's just like, huh? Hey, how about it? Uh, shrugging his shoulders. And he shoots another one at Owen Hart. But this promo yeah. is so damn funny. Uh, uh, like uh, Owen Hart picture, it was on a buck's ass. I love it. Oh, of course. You know, of course. So. <laughs> but he shut that door and literally the next second opened it back up. <laughs> oh, here's every question you got. Every goddamn question. Man, that thing is funny. I can watch that thing every, pretty much every day and laugh at it every day. It's just, so You don't have to be a wrestling fan to think that that promo is hysterical. Dude, I wish there was a camera on the other side of the, of the door because I just want to see him like slam the door and then go, oh, well, you know what, and open it back up. <laughs> oh, I want to hear man. him audibly, like, audibly say, what, you know what? Like, open I wanna, it back like, up. I, was that his idea to do that? Because that was so <laughs> funny. And it wasn't like slapstick funny, goofy comedy. It was just like Steve Austin being Steve Austin. First, he comes up, he cusses everybody out, <laughs> and he quickly changed his mind. Like he's, he's, he can do that, and it's just, it's un, it's not intentionally overtly comedy, but it is. It's so funny. Like I die laughing. I laugh way more at this than I do any episode of uh, Being the Elite. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Where they really try really hard to be funny, or yeah, anything that WWE tries to do really funny these days. This promo was hysterical. I don't even watch that, being the elite. No, I, I haven't watched it in a while. It's not funny. Uh, people but think it's funny it, for some reason. You'll it's have not. you'll have some uh, <clears throat> reporters suggesting to watch it because it would make things on Dynamite make sense. And uh, No, fam. That's not supposed to happen. So, right. No, I'm good. <laughs> but this, like I said, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this Steve Austin promo he did. And this was months before this match we were talking about Survivor Series. This is... Yeah. I don't even know if he had relinquished the title yet or if he had already done it, but he hadn't come back yet. This is well right. before Survivor Series. I think right. it, at the end of it, he said he's going to be at... Ground uh, Zero, I it? think it was. Ground, Ground Zero, Zero, yes. Because yeah. so he, that he was, actually what, came October? to Philly. I think he was in Philly uh, to get like doctors to look at him. They actually went to a hotel in Philly to film uh, this. Right, But right. yeah, it was we before had the on. Ground Zero was in September, so it was uh, 
September. Yeah, it was like that. Friday night's main event was like the end of October and the f- first week of September. That's how I remember that because I want to damn watch it on the damn network because <laughs> I can't get to my tapes. <laughs> well, like I said, if you haven't seen it, uh, I don't know what you were searching YouTube. I guess Steve Austin the house promo or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I, I watched it as I was watching the show. I was like, "Oh, I forgot that he had this promo at his house." <laughs> like, that was hysterical. Oh, Steve Austin Owen Hart promo. That's what I there searched up. So funny. So uh, in in this promo that's aired, also, uh, did you notice they had the two still shots of uh, women that were holding their eyes? Like one was a a child, and then the other was like an older woman. Uh, after Austin got pile driven, uh, did you did pay, pay attention to any of that? I did not. So, I'm th- I obviously before this pay per view, the Survivor Series '97 USA Network had a uh, a special for Survivor Series flashback. It was like the best Survivor Series matches or whatever, and they had like Hulk Hogan versus the Undertaker was like highlighted and stuff like that. And so, some other matches were highlighted. It was like on a Tuesday night a uh, week or two before this. And so I taped it and I remember everything about it. This is the first time I had, I got to watch Hogan and the Undertaker, you know, after it happened like six years later, cause I didn't tape it. So the same, the, the lady in the Austin promo in this Austin Owen promo, that was looking at the ring. It was from the Undertaker's entrance from Survivor Series '91, and they just edited it into that. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, it made no sense. But it's so funny that they took these these two images and put them in that promo, where it it didn't happen at SummerSlam. You know, they just edited it into there. And I think the the girl that was holding her eyes might have been Bret Hart's daughter. Because I think it was during the match that Bret Hart had that I remember seeing that. I don't know the specific match, but I could have sworn it, it was his daughter. So putting these two women in that promo after Austin got pile-driven by Owen Hart just made me laugh so much. I don't know. You got to get across that. It was it, a sad of happening. <laughs> I was like, like, the fact that I remember that is ridiculous. And I just had to yeah, make I'd- a note of it. I do not recall that at all. But uh, I would rather be. I'd rather be there. I would rather be there and not <laughs> remembering. I was like, that woman did not. Didn't was not at SummerSlam. <laughs> well, we're at Survivor Series on this show, and Steve Austin makes his entrance with the the glass window kind of thing, and it's supposed to break in full, yeah. but. Yeah. Only half of it broke. And Steve yeah. Austin, I guess this wasn't real glass or what. I wouldn't recommend this. But he just <laughs> he knocked his shoulder into it. Yeah. It's like, what? I guess it couldn't cut him. I don't know. I guess but not. He definitely tried to break it, but it didn't work. <laughs> didn't quite work. And he just kept it moving, which was a smart thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't know why he got... He thought that was a good idea. But um, one thing I found funny is that the fans were cheering for Steve Austin. At least a good majority of them were, you know. He still got some scant booze here and there, but he was still like arguing with fans during his entrance, yeah. even though a lot of those fans was cheering him. Yeah. It's like he just had yeah. to be Steve Austin, I guess. He had to be Stone Cold. One of those fans was wearing a Flyers jersey in the front row. <clears throat> oh man! Yeah, in Montreal, yeah. brave soul, crazy. 
Yeah. Um, one thing I wrote here for Owen Hart is that his music was quite funky. <laughs> well, you said funky. I said sh- Wow. That's... <laughs> wow. I was I was getting into Owen Hart's theme music. <laughs> I was like bobbing my head to it. It's kind of quick, fast really? pace and stuff. Like, you get to run a man to it a little bit. For like Owen Hart? I dug I mean, it. It probably didn't fit, but I liked it. <laughs> I still liked it. He didn't necessarily fit Owen Hart, no. Yeah, that's where I came in uh, with the... This was probably, I'm trying to think, was this his best theme music? He had the first one that was like kind of the knockoff Hitman music. The... And then, like, early 90s. No, that was his... Sort of, kind of close to... Yeah, the Rocket. That was his Rocket stuff. Right, the Rocket music, right. Yeah. Kind of close, It kind of, at least to me, it kind of resembled Hitman music a little bit. But maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. <laughs> um, didn't he have like a different like beginning with like the si- sirens in '98? But I think it was the same music though, right? Yeah, but was that when he joined the nation, or was it before that? Probably. Because he was like the black. He was like the black heart for a while. He's the black heart right. for a while. I think this is the black heart uh, stage, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's or good, was that a different time? It's a good question. I don't know, but. Uh, Owen Hart, man. Rest in peace to Owen Hart, man. He was yeah. so damn good. Uh, still, some of my favorite, most funniest moments is when he, uh, everybody was calling him a nugget, and he was running out of the arena holding his ears so he couldn't hear it. It was just, <laughs> what a stupid visual. I thought that was funny. But um, um, this match itself, though, was relatively quick. Um, oh, yeah. It, you, could definitely came tell, out. you could definitely tell why uh, that, yeah, Austin's not going to be the same. Like that, and Austin, I guess, wasn't 100% yet. Right. Right. He probably wasn't 100% yet. They got the match in, and then Team Canada came out, and he doled out, like, five more stunners, and that was it. Yeah. So. What I found funny was that one. Austin reclaimed. That one trying to get uh, disqualified. (laughs) He's like, ring the bell, after he was, like, choking Austin. Right. But yeah, yeah so it was Steve like Austin reclaimed stunner out of nowhere too. It wasn't. It was like, oh, okay, right. And that's it. Yeah. He didn't get out. Yeah. Steve, Steve Austin reclaimed the Intercontinental Championship. So let's quickly move on to the main event. Pretty much the reason why this show is remotely remembered for the WWF Championship. Bret Hart defending against Shawn Michaels. And I remember got a lot of notes here. Okay. First off, Shawn Michaels was walking to the ring with Triple H China Recruit, the original incarnation of DX. And he I remember him saying, I don't know where to go. Like, where do we go? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So apparently he got lost. I didn't remember this match being so long before everything went down. I will say I will say before this. Before I get into the match itself, was it? Did it feel odd that they showed them walking to the ring the way they did? Because I feel like they didn't do that too often, like walking they, backstage to the. They, they didn't even to see. Like I knew it was a big match, but even in the build-up, it it didn't seem like it was gonna take on a life of its own. Uh, so yeah, like watching them, you know, you even saw when Shawn Michaels was walking to the ring, you saw a British Bulldog like in the background. <laughs> it's like, right. oh wait a second, like what the hell's going on here? Um, so that right away, and I've I've noticed that as a kid, and I was like, "That's stupid! Like that's weird." 
but I guess he's not attacking him because it's the main event. Like, whatever, you know, because I think it's real. But, uh, yeah, and then going back to Bret Hart, you know, like it was – I thought it was weird. I, I did think it was weird. I didn't know what to think as a kid. Um, you know, it's, I, it's just funny I to mean, watch in hindsight, just, knowing what happens. Yeah. See, you see them walk into the ring. Yeah. yeah. Bret gets his jacket. He's got the, his son – I think it's his son with him, right, holding the flag. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what's about to happen. Right, and – I did pick up like Jim Ross saying people are saying this might be Bret Hart's last match. Uh, I think he even said it before the match. I know he said it during this match, but I, he might have said it like prior uh, in the pay per view. So I knew like something. I guess that's why I didn't think anything nefarious was going to happen at the time because I was like, okay, well, this might be Bret's last match here. That's weird, but he's the champion. Like whatever. So. At that point, I knew something was weird, but I, I just didn't pick up on enough at this stage of my fandom. Like, I was 12, and I knew it, some things were weird and some I thought was was real. So for for this, I was just like, okay, like let's go. Let's get the match going. I don't care about their entrances. <laughs> and I never yeah, thought was, like um, that before because they didn't do it before. And hind- right. Especially just watching in the hindsight, it's definitely like, I don't want to say it's eerie to watch. It's just, it's interesting to watch because we know what's going to happen. Um, of course, like I said, the match itself, they fought outside the ring a lot. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, they did. Um, how, they, in the how ring. much they fought. Right. And like, they fought outside the ring for like a couple minutes and then they finally get into the ring. Seven minutes and match. 30 seconds. Okay, so you go. You counted. <laughs> um, but it was just like a chaotic scene at ringside. There was a couple refs. There was Vince. Pat Patterson, Jared Briscoe, Sergeant Slaughter. There was so many people out there. And it's just like the match, before they even got into the ring, you just see all these people. And, like, Vince is out there, and he's following along with them as they fight outside. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> this just felt different. Yeah. Like, you just tell, like, if you were, and you were, or you were in 1997, did this feel, like, jarring to you to see this happening? Because to me, having watched 97, and, of course, like, having gone back and watched it, I should say, because I was not watching at this point as a kid, but having watched stuff up until this point, it was immediately jarring to me, the chaotic scene around this match. Did it jump out to you at the at that time, though? Uh, I'm not going to... It wasn't jarring to me. I was more annoyed because the match hadn't started yet, and I was like, am I going to actually <clears throat> see this match? Like, I was more annoyed... Yes, 12-year-old me was more annoyed than anything uh, i didn't care about anything that was happening i didn't pay attention to like the crowd involvement i this man being out there wasn't uh, as different to me because we had seen him earlier and like the interview uh you know and even though i didn't realize he was the owner i was just like okay like whatever let's just get this match of the damn ring let's go like i want to see this so then being in the crowd, I was more pissed off than anything because I was like, are we really not going to have the match? Like That was more of how I felt watching it live than anything. Mm. That's interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. It was just, again, it was just I didn't, I didn't really start paying attention until they were back in the ring. Like I, you know, was watching it and... You know, seven minutes is a long ass time when I'm 12 years old waiting for this thing to happen. So I'm going to like the kitchen, getting like a snack or something. You know, I'm just like, what? Even though I could see the TV from the kitchen, I was just like not paying much attention until, you know, they were in the ring. 
Because all this fighting outside, I, I, was, I didn't care for. That's fair. That's fair. You want to see, you know, them in the ring. You want to see the championship be decided. And you knew it wasn't going to be decided outside the right. ring. I was like, okay, is, um, Brett, is it just going to be a DQ? Is the match even going to start or whatever? Right. So, yeah. And we had just saw that type of match with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at, was that Ground yeah, Zero, Ground Zero, right? Yeah. Where they just fought each other for like the whole show. And yeah. They never had a match. Yep. And it, that's what, you know, brought about the Hell in a Cell. So, so it wasn't like outside the realm of possibility that I guess WWE would do it again, even though it was like two months later. So yeah. they shouldn't have done it again, and they didn't. But mm. it, we just saw it happen. So it's like, right. just could happen again. Yep. Uh, eventually, to get back into the ring, and not long later, Shawn Michaels hooks Bret Hart in the sharpshooter, turns him over, and Earl Hebner takes a look at Bret, <laughs> rings the bell. And immediately hauls ass out of the ring. <laughs> like Randy Cruz, shout out to Randy Cruz. He tweeted the video of the actual screw job itself. And everybody's reaction was like, yo, Earl Hebner booked out of that ring immediately. Yeah. He even did the hand and wave. And that was my uh takeaway as well. Yeah, he even did the hand wave. He was like, enough of this. And then he just left. <laughs> right. Like, why did he need to do the hand wave, huh? Huh? I don't if know. If it wasn't a work. Huh? All right, look, let's get into it right now. <laughs> the conspiracies have been drummed up again 23 years later. I'm willing to pay was attention. This a work? I'm willing to pay attention. Was this a work or was this a shoot? And if you are in the work camp, you got some evidence to, to um, make your case. Uh, number one, that interview with Michael Cole earlier. Why would he ask Vince McMahon who's going to win? Still to this day, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Earl Hebner, like you said, waving his hands or whatever, like you said, I guess that's some evidence there. And it brought about, eventually, it brought about Vince being the heel. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're like me and a sensible person, and you know this was a shoot, Vince McMahon, you would know that Vince McMahon thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was the babyface in all of this. Okay, and it only after a while did he realize, oh, I'm the bad guy, and of course that he became the biggest bad guy in the history of the business. Um, but it's just it's so wild to this day that there are still speculation. There's still speculation about whether this is a work or a shoot. I don't feel like it was it was a work at all. Like Bret Hart is still upset about this to this day. I don't see how. It's a 23-year work. He's the best best worker in the business, baby. That's unbelievable, bro. <laughs> All right, tell me why you think it's a work. So I'm just having a little fun with it. I Okay. Uh, it's 23 years later, and I will say I'm more apt to listen nowadays than I was even 10 years ago because I just don't think that just Brett's reaction he still had Shawn Michaels' legs, and he let him go. He he let him go, like because he knew rap- it wasn't Shawn Michaels' fault. How does he know that? And he, he 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 addressed him in the locker room. Do you have anything to do with it? And Shawn lied to him, said he didn't. Like, well, he, yeah, but at that, that moment, why not? In that moment, why you not know full well that's not, a Vince call? Why not break his ankle? Because you knew well, he had you something to you do with it. You don't want to break his ankle. 
right then and there, and Sean had nothing to do with it. Then you'd, be, you'd feel terrible. You're Bret Hart. You know for a fact Vince McMahon has something to do with but it. But you're Bret Hart, and you don't have a good relationship with Shawn Michaels, so you know he had something to do with it. I look, maybe in Bret Hart's mind, because the, the story goes that Bret Hart came to Earl Hebner ahead of time as like, because he 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 did kind of have an inkling there was going to try to screw him, and he talked to Earl Hebner was like, hey. Uh, so you're you telling know, Bret Hart gave them the idea, huh? No, this is like before the show. This is like <laughs> right know. before he went out to the curtain. And then he was like, are they going to do it? And Earl Hebner apparently was like, I would never do it. I would never do it. You know, swear on my kids or whatever. And then apparently they grabbed him, Vince or whoever grabbed him before he went out to the curtain, before Earl Hebner went out to the curtain, into the ring. And was like, this is what we're going to do. So I don't, I don't know, man. I, I can't see it being a 23-year work. Where they had like a whole like, I don't know if you remember the interview they did or the, like the real long deep dive until their like rivalry and relationship Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart did with, did with Jim yeah. Ross back yeah. in like 2011, 2012-ish. Where Shawn Michaels was sitting there crying and stuff like that. And yeah. I think Bret cried too. Yeah. Like they did that whole wrestling with shadows. I just feel like all of that... <laughs> Well, wrestling with shadows followed, was following Brett like the whole year, so it was just crazy that they followed him in like the craziest year of his professional life. Honestly, um, uh, that's fair. But it, you know, Brett was wearing a wire too, so they absolutely. But they knew that he was wearing a wire. They knew he was being. They said it on Canadian Stampede that there's you know people following Brett for a documentary series. So you know, WWF knew that he likely had wires all around him for all these you know, meetings they had leading up to this match. You, you can't, like, I don't know. You can't tell me that they didn't think that well, he was wearing something. Of course they the knew, do- but that wasn't going to stop him from right. doing what they had to do. Right. So to me, it's like, okay, why not wait? Because Brett said he's not going to drop it to Shawn Michaels in Canada. So why not? He, he came up with all these other scenarios after the fact. Like, I'll drop it to him uh, the next night on Raw or or the next week or something, or the December pay-per-view or whatever, or I'll, you know, just forfeit it the next night on Raw or something like that. Like, yeah, they were coming up with all these scenarios that he just knew. It's like, no, you got to drop it at Survivor Series. Survivor Series was still a big pay-per-view at the time. You know, you're not going to have a disqual- DQ finish at Survivor Series. You're just not. You can. You definitely can. But that wasn't like you said. Vince didn't want that. He wanted him to drop the belt, um, and he got what he wanted by hook or by crook. <laughs> um, but it it did. You know why didn't Brett just get out and take the title with him? No, he he let Shawn Michaels get out. It took a while. Shawn was like walking around a little bit. Then they grabbed the title and leave. There a lot of time. Think, a lot of time went by. I think the initial shock of what happened. I was yeah, setting it on Bret yeah, Hart. I agree with that. I, that's and then he, ultimately he gets up Shawn. That's he gets up. Shawn Michaels acts all incredulous, like he had no <laughs> yeah. idea what happened. Yeah. Which again, if you're Bret Hart, you don't want to just steal off on Shawn if you don't know. Like he, you didn't know whether he had anything to do with it at but that then, point. But then you go, Vince. This is what you've done. You've made me tar and pillar your champion. <laughs> well, that, I think that would have been a mistake. If, <laughs> if, if Shawn Michaels didn't, if, in reality, if he had nothing to do with it. Now right, we all know he did. Right. 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 But in reality, I will if he say, just stole off on Shawn Michaels, I will he had say, nothing to do with it. That would have been, I think Bret Hart would feel guilty about that. 
I do but he agree. knew for a fact Vince McMahon had something to do with it. Yeah, that's why. I, he sp- like, as soon as he stood up, Vince McMahon walked right into his face because he knew. <laughs> like, Vince knew. Like, yep. He he. Vince pretty much, without saying a word, told him like, I had to do what I had to do, bro. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. And Brett knew without saying a word and it spit right in Vince's face and eventually <laughs> punched out Vince in the. Uh, that was a great in the locker room. Great loogie, by the way. Nailed him. That was a. That was not. That was a shoot loogie, man. That was not a worked loogie. <laughs> I will say, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I do, I'm, I'm willing to listen, but I do think it was uh, real. And uh, it's, like you said, I do think it was initial shock. Uh, you know, you see, they zoomed in on Brett's face right away. Though. That that was the funny part to me. They, you know, Earl rang the bell and left the ring, and then they show Bret Hart's face. Like, you know, right. come on. Like you gotta like why would you? That's, that's fair. You know, like it's just weird. To but me. I also feel like if it was a, and I don't know whether they were up against the uh, the time. Oh yeah, it they was had like, to go off the air right away. Yeah, but they went off the air like right away. Yeah, they didn't linger. Yep. Like Shawn Michaels went to the back and they shot that Survivor Series sign and that was the end of the show. <laughs> yep. They didn't like, cut back to Bret from Montreal. <laughs> right, and that was it. So, and I'm trying to remember, I, like, I don't remember exactly when they went off the air. I, you know, I didn't right. look at the clock or anything, so it might have been early. It might have been right at 9.59 or 10.59, whenever the hell it was. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly when they went off the air. So, uh, and this was when I only taped pay-per-views. So, uh, you know, I, I was kind of, like, shocked. But it was just weird, you know. Like, I, I didn't know what to think at the time. Even as a twelve-year-old, I was just like, "Oh, Bret Hart gave up." Like to me, that was what happened. Like the sharpshooter hurts like hell. He gave up, <laughs> but then he stood right, right up and spit, spit at Vince. And I was like, "Wait, did he give up on purpose to say f you to Vince? I don't want to be your champion." Like this—that's the kind of yeah. thought process was going on in my head as a twelve-year-old. And it, a funny story—I have, uh, you know, I had friends that didn't get to see the pay-per-view, so the next day they had asked me what happened. And I had it said exactly what Jim Ross said. I was like, uh, Bret Hart gave up in the sharpshooter. They're like, no, he didn't. And I was like, yeah, he stood in the ring in disbelief. And my friend was like, that's probably what they said on the pay-per-view. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, that's, exactly that's, what what, that's exactly what Jim Ross said. How about that? Um, but yeah, you know, it was just, it was, if you didn't see that pay-per-view and then I was telling you what happened, you wouldn't believe one second of what I was telling you. Not in 1997, you wouldn't. No. It was just bizarre. Nope. Um, so, yeah, one of the most infamous nights in wrestling history. In hindsight, did, did I you, feel like uh, Brett should have just lost. Yeah, yeah, I mean... I feel like the, he should have just lost. Like, the, the thing that stood out Canada, to me... You're not, even from, you're not even from Eastern Canada. You're not from <laughs> Quebec. You're from Alberta. <laughs> like, that's a, the opposite end of the country. Just lose, Brett. It's all right. <laughs> like, um, But also, I think they could have worked it out somehow. It's just a bunch of stubborn people. Yeah, not coming to uh, you know a compromise, but I think <clears throat> I mean so many people have lost titles before. Like Bret Hart wasn't the first person to lose a title. I'm not going to put it all on Bret because Vince went against his word. You know, what I'm saying he he gave yeah. Bret creative control in the last I forget how many days of the contract, whatever it was, it was. Like sixty or ninety or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was like the end of his contract. He had Bret Hart had creative control. Um. So he went back on the agreement and he went back on his word because he didn't say, t- he told, he, he agreed to like the schmaz finish, right? Yeah. 
to Brett's face at least. <clears throat> so I think they were both wrong, in my opinion. I think they should have been big boys and found a way to make it work for everybody. At the same um, time, I I don't think <clears throat> if you're Vince McMahon and you're saying I can't afford to have you do what Alondra Blaze did on Nitro and come out with the title. Did did Vince really think Bret Hart was going to do that? Like even in 1997, at the height, at the the actually maybe not the hype, but like you're getting there where the Monday night wars are raging right now. But do you, right. do you still think like you kind of push Brett to sign this deal? Uh, you really helped him out financially in a way. And you're going to think that he's going to do that to you. I, I mean, yeah, business is cutthroat, but uh, at that point, if you're Vince man, do you really think, do you really think Brett's going to do that? Probably not. So, and then even if he right. did, you could hold it over his his head for the rest of your life. So, right. I, I didn't, you know. I didn't see Bret Hart doing that either. Like, I, I'm not saying I know Bret Hart. Like, in <laughs> fact, I don't know him personally. But he never struck me as a guy that would kind of go back on his word. You right, know, like, right. If there's anything that Bret Hart was, like, super, had super integrity about was pro wrestling. Yeah. You know, I don't know about personal life. But if he, you know, held himself to the highest level of integrity... It was it was it involved pro wrestling, and I feel like he wouldn't have done it to Vince McMahon because let's face it, Vince McMahon helped make Bret Hart a star. Yeah, Bret Hart's career, the the, the biggest chunk of his career before outside of Calgary, which I mean that wasn't that long, I don't think, but from '84 until '97, that's 13 years he worked for Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon made him a multi-time, five-time champion, mm-hmm. international star. I mean, yep. uh, so. I don't know, man. But w- here's what I don't think, though. Uh, I don't think Brett screwed Brett, <laughs> which is what the headline of that Sports Illustrated story was. Was that the headline? I believe that was the headline. Oh yes, uh, man, you're bringing. Did that you up read again. the story? I did not read the story. I saw everybody I crapping on it. I was like, I'm not going to dignify it with a click. I saw. So please, Nick, fill me in on this story. I saw someone uh, crapping on it. So. Uh, and I, then I saw it was from SI, and I'm like, okay. It was written in like by like a fifth grade standard or something like that. Ooh, uh, damn. Just the, and I'm not talking about grammar and punctuation. I'm like talking like thought processes, like things coming together, like just the way it was written. Just made no sense, and he was basically like, Brett should have done what Vince wanted. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember word for word. I skimmed through it, uh, could not stomach it, and it was one of the worst, uh, e- e- even one of the worst things I've seen because literally all it was was just to produce a piece of content for SI. Uh, it didn't matter what it said. It was just November 9th, screw job. You need something to have, you know, like yeah. something on our site. And who, I don't even remember the dude. In. I don't even know the dude who wrote it. Um, but it, yeah, like you said, something to get people clicking, something people get people talking and sharing. Yeah, which there that's what was accomplished. I like I said, I wasn't going to do that because yeah. <laughs> I don't have to read it. <laughs> like I'm yeah, good. It was um, something where I just he was saying like uh, Brett should have lost. He was, it was his last day, uh, you know, 
I can't believe I somebody think- was paid money to produce that. And I'm still sitting I- here on Twitter tweeting, hire me. Because uh, I'm looking Look. f- for a job in this industry, and I see that, and that guy probably got a, a ton of money for it, and it just pisses me off. Well, I don't know if he had a ton of money or not, but I, <laughs> look, Brett. I think at the end of the day, Brett probably should have lost. Uh, like I said, I think they both were wrong in this. I'm not gonna put if, anything. If I'm Brett, not gonna put it all on Brett. See if Brett. Like he he's he feels like and he said this sticking to his principles, standing up for what he believes in, but wouldn't have been more he would have been more respected for doing doing the right thing if he worries so much about respect in the wrestling business. And Bret Hart's one of my favorites of all time, by the way. I Randy Savage and Bret Hart are my top two favorites. Bret Hart makes wrestling believable, and I love that about it. Growing up. Um, he put his heart and soul into everything. So I think that's why he was so adamant about going out on his terms because the WWF was his life for so long. And But I I agree to the fact that if he just, quote-unquote, did what's right, even with the creative control, he would have been in a better shape for his professional career after that. And I know he was older. He was getting older. So, like, the WCW contract was as likely his last one as a like a pro athlete or whatever you want to say, a performer, I should say. So I don't know. It to me, it's just like you want. He always talks about wanting to be remembered as you know this whatever hero. I think that would have pushed him into that spot had he just quote unquote done the right thing. So yeah. Yeah, I, I still don't like. To me, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not going to blame. I'm not going to put anything or all of it on Brett. I should say. Uh, I just, I still don't to this day don't understand why he didn't want to lose in Canada. I just don't understand that. <laughs> I, I love, like you said, I love Brett. Um, and I think he did get screwed over because he was lied to. Yeah. But the whole thing of losing in Canada, like again, you're not from Quebec. Like you're from Calgary. You have a better case with me if the match was in Calgary. You didn't want to lose in Calgary. Yeah. But it was in Montreal. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I do also think was, that Shawn Michaels telling him he wouldn't do the same for him uh, seemed oh, like yeah, that, that was, was the the, the that big was when issue. the blood boiled over. But if that, you're Bret Hart, when the bad blood boiled over. If you're Bret Hart and you talk about how honorable you are and all this, you're like, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to do this, and you kind of have that over him for the rest of your professional career. Now, luck, luckily, they kissed the bait up, but. Uh, you know, in that spot, I mean, he, he, he kind of just let personal animosity take over, and that's kind of what screwed him. The, to, mm-hmm. to be made a villain, by the way, because Vince McMahon, you know, came out with that two-part interview, Brett screwed Brett, like, the next week or the two weeks later, assassinating his character, basically. It, that would have never happened. So, like, then that, and Vince, Mr. McMahon would have never happened, but... That that's why I'm more willing to listen to some of these uh, uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories nowadays because, uh, like, all right, we're gonna put the belt on Stone Cold Steve Austin at Mania. Who's a, a good heel? They don't really have anyone. But obviously, Shawn Michaels hurt his back in January, so that wasn't great. But Mr. McMahon was already well on his way. So timelines are weird, and everything's just weird. But oh, I just think. Brett, there had to be a moment 
in this whole like two months time frame where he was just like no matter what I'm not giving in there had to be like that one moment because with like how he talks about what he wants his legacy to be I'm pretty sure he doesn't want his legacy to be like I refuse to do something so I don't know it's still again every year around this time the conversations and the conspiracy theories get drummed up because it really are endless talking points when it comes to this to this match and this finish. Yeah. Uh, so, but we spent a long time talking about it tonight. <laughs> uh, and, and the rest of Survivor Series 1997. Um, but it's time to wrap it up for episode 259. You know what? This is so, 9.48 p.m. right now. AEW Dynamite is on the air. I was promised by Tony Khan that the wrestling landscape would change tonight. And I haven't seen anything to happen, so... Well, according to Twitter, they had a, sh- uh, a Shaq promo. A what? So, promo from Shaq. Yeah, that's what happened. According to Twitter, so... Like Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah. AEW? Yeah. You can follow me, at Nick Picone, on Twitter. <laughs> and follow us, at Shooters Radio, on Twitter. And you can follow... My writing and editing, <laughs> editing. Yeah, you can follow my editing at phillyinfluencer.com. And you can find this podcast also at phillyvoice.com. And check out Fox Sports The Gambler every Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. The Daily Ticket with Sean Brace. Uh, everything you can find on foxphlgambler.com. All those podcasts are from yours truly. So check it out. All right. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if you can't find me there, you may find me in these streets, but you probably won't because we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, it's getting worse. Great. Um, yeah, I'm all virtual now, so we'll see. Yeah. So everybody stay safe out there, man. Uh, hunker down. Hope everything. If you're listening to this, hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, because in the United States, at least it's, it's pretty rough right now. It's flu season and yeah, it's not great. So Again, hope everybody stays safe uh, during this pandemic, and I hope we uh, can provide some a uh, little bit of a distraction from the crazy realities going on in our world. Uh, just a little brief distraction, at least. But um, so thanks for listening to episode two fifty nine for Nick Bacon. I'm Vaughn Johnson, and we will catch y'all again here on the Straight Shooters next week. Peace. <laughs>